0: Andrew.
1: Hello. Today is Saturday, April 24th, and welcome to Skeptics and Seekers. I am not your usual host, so if you're here for the first time, uh, thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. If you've been here a little while and you realize I'm not the usual host, well, welcome back. If you're part of that third group who says, hey, What's Andrew doing? Hosting skeptics and seekers. Let me recommend that you reconsider your life choices. You've been here far too long. Speaking of those folks who have uh, made poor life choices, we've got uh, we've got a live chat room uh, for this episode of Skeptics and Seekers. And if in the future you would like to join the show in the live chat, uh, you can find skeptics and seeker uh, skeptics and seekers at skeptics and Dot dot com, or you can send an email to skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. There are uh, all about a 100 slots open in the live chat room for every show. And let me tell you, the first four slots go really fast, so you should sign up early. <laughs> so today, uh, we are here to discuss something quite serious. Uh, today, if you've been following the if you've been following the blog and you've been following the uh, discussion board, uh, today we discuss abortion. And so, let me go ahead and dive right into the introductions. Co-hosting with me today is someone who is entirely new uh, to skeptics and seekers, and that is Clinton Wilcox. Clinton, hello.
2: Hello, Andrew. Uh, thank you for inviting me on to participate in this discussion.
1: Thank you for being willing to join us, discussing abortion today. Taking the, the usual pro and and con positions, we have a uh, a usual voice of skeptics and seekers back to join us, Darren Lute. Hey, Darren. Hello. Short and sweet, and taking the uh, taking the pro life position. Uh, Someone who always acquits herself well on Skeptics and Seekers, Teddy Pappas. Hey, Teddy.
3: Hello, how are y'all?
1: Great. All right, so before we get into opening statements, uh, the usual host of Skeptics and Seekers, who is running the control board behind the scenes today, uh, David Johnson, has an opening statement and we are going to go right into the discussion of abortion. Uh, David, unless you have some preliminaries other than your opening, the mic is over to you.
0: So if I do have preliminaries, you're going to take it away. Um, Cusa, I, should have- have al-
1: I should have already taken it away. I can see how <laughs> this should, is going to go. You should all have
0: right. never given me the mic. Um, <laughs> cause uh, I have no responsibility in this show at all. Um, my my whole my whole uh, point of being here uh, is to be in the chat and to wreck the conversation from behind the scenes. <laughs> so that's uh, that's gonna be fun. Uh, I would like to. I do have one preliminary uh, before we jump into this very serious topic, which is a, a kind of a serious preliminary. So two people, uh, Vic Rose was one of them, and the other I think it was Susan Susanna. I can't remember uh, exactly, but two people. Uh, this week have taken me to task for or at least ask questions about the cover art uh, for the blog uh, that that I've chosen. Uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, it's for this series that we're having, uh, A Time to Kill. And so last week, this week, the next two or three weeks will be uh, all on that subject. And uh, that's going to be going on uh, if you want to go in and join the conversation. That's Skeptics and Seekers, Dot .squarespace.com uh and uh, the cover art is uh, very much not something that I usually do. Uh it's a very gory image of uh of a stoning or something like that anyway and it's the t- it's the type of thing that if uh one of the people in on the board <laughs> put in the comments uh I would remove it. <laughs> so uh, sorry about the double standard, uh, guys. Uh, the reason I uh, chose that image, and I had to think long and hard before I did it. Um, and there were, trust me, there were much worse images uh, that I could have chosen. Just looking at images of stonings, uh, there's there's some pretty graphic stuff out there. The reason I chose the image is because I think that we need a visceral slap in the face so that we understand what we're talking about over over this next few weeks, because it's easy to purify it and make it very uh, antiseptic, Uh, but it's not. uh, The introduction that we had last week was not, the subject that we're gonna talk about this week is not, it's very graphic. And I think that there are times when a graphic depiction of what's being discussed uh, is necessary. And so I dropped a, I dropped a bit in the uh, comments. Uh, I don't want to read it myself because I don't like reading out loud. And so would one of you sharp, eagle-eyed people uh, read this? This is a passage uh, from the Bible. I've got it in my um, uh, write-up on the board, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, you can send me an email, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com uh if you want to uh take me to task uh but don't want to put it on the board but would someone uh read that out loud so that I can kind of help justify uh my reason for putting it up there. Darren, Teddy I'm um, sure in. Okay,
4: Darren. I'll do it. uh suppose your own Uh, Suppose your own full brother, your son, your daughter, your beloved wife, or your closest friend should seduce you, secretly encourage you to go and serve other gods that neither you nor your ancestors have previously known. The gods of the surrounding people, whether near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you must not give in to him or even listen to him. Do not feel sympathy for him or spare him or cover up for him. Instead, you must kill him without fail. Your own hand must be the first to strike him and then the hands of the whole community. So
0: we read passages like that. And when they're just words, we've become immune to them. And I wanted to show at least graphically what we're talking about, what it is God was ordering that you do to your kid or to your wife or your best friend. Um, that's what we're talking about that's what's at stake uh here uh and i and i don't want that to be lost i'm not going to post graphic images of abortion trust me i thought about it (laughs) but there there is an emotional argument to be made there too and christians make this type of argument all the time i think somewhat inappropriately but i understand Uh, That part of this is an emotional argument, and I don't want to suppress the emotional argument when it's the other side too. And so the other thing I've been taken to task for is simply criticizing the Christian position, which I find very easy to do, but not putting out a position of my own. And I've called people together to give their own positions about things. And I recognize that I have not yet given my own position. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to give my own position and then I'm going to mute myself. Um, I warn you though, that the position I'm about to give you, it's not something that I have said out loud. It's not something that's going to make me any friends it's something that will anger both sides so uh i don't mind standing alone but um there would there would have been a time when i would have considered this position uh risky enough so that i wouldn't say it publicly so um after giving it some thought i want to make this case if you want to say pro-choice pro-life i find that a very um very bad dichotomy. I find it just marketing, uh, on both sides. And I don't, I don't like either, um, either suggestion, but if I had to choose one, I I suppose you can label me with pro-choice, but let me, let me be clear. The position I had as a Christian has not changed all that much. (laughs) Okay. Um, so on the board, I wrote a piece called No Abortions, No Exceptions. Uh, and of course, being on the pro-choice side, obviously that has changed, but much of my rationalization has not. And I can tell you right now, I hate abortion. I despise abortion. I think that many, uh, I think it's a dirty business. I think that many abortions uh, are wrong. I, I don't, I don't like it at all. And I don't side uh, with mothers who wait uh, for a long period of time before having an abortion, um, they, I, I, don't, I don't appreciate them. Defending them to me feels like defending the tobacco industry. And there, there may be some defense that the tobacco industry could have, but I wouldn't want to be tasked with it. And I feel like that uh, defending abortion. I despise abortion. The only thing I hate more than abortion is for unwanted children to actually be born. So let me unpack that uh, just a little bit. I'll try to be brief. Um, We know that I'm gonna fail at that. Hierarchy of human value. First, the first thing is to understand uh, my point of view about human life and human value. Uh I am very much like Peter Singer in this regard and in the same way that Peter Singer loses the emotional argument every time I will lose the emotional argument so I get that but I don't believe that all people are created equally I think that's bunk it's it's a great thing for bumper stickers but in the real world we don't act like that we don't think that nobody thinks that In the real world, we all have a hierarchy of human value, because we don't think that one life is actually the same as another life. And so I encourage you to engage in a thought experiment. Uh, If there is some type of disaster going on and you have the ability to save, you know, 10 people, let's say. If some of the people that need to be saved are people from your own nuclear family. Don't lie you will get them first you will run over and past other people who need saving to get to your tribe because when it comes right down to it they are at the top of the hierarchy of human value in your mind and you can say all all humans are equal but you don't buy it you don't really buy it um if we if we expand it the experiment to thinking about nations and only two nations could survive say resources had gotten so low and we were faced with some type of uh decision don't don't worry too much about how we got there it's a thought experiment only two nations could survive let's just assume the one you live in would be one of them and then you could save another and who do you save well i don't know but given the choice say between Europe and africa i'm gonna save europe i'm gonna save europe i'll do it every time uh china and africa i'd probably save china god help me russia and africa finally africa you win i see no i see no use for russia at all um but it's it's a terrible experiment to put yourself through but if you do you will realize In the quiet of your own heart that you do have a type of hierarchy of human value and it's just a matter of how you work that value out for me the value is uh based on what will that person do to forward the cause of social evolution will they forward the cause or will they hinder the cause and for me that's that's kind of the guiding principle to the hierarchy of human value um when I think it through, once no, does this make me a monster? Probably, I, I wouldn't even argue that it doesn't. But this is just true. This is just how I think. The reason I go over this uh, idea of the hierarchy of human value is because when it comes to the unborn, they are at the bottom of that hierarchy for me every time. They will never win out over any group. Uh, when it comes to a matter of choice, when it comes to The choice of a woman whose life will be wrecked by having a child, even if I think she's in the wrong, even if I think that she has behaved irresponsibly, even if I am uh, furious at this woman, she will win out over the unborn every time. Because in the hierarchy of human value, she is higher for me. And so in the abortion argument, you'll under, I, you just need to understand that I don't think of life the way Christians think of life. And I don't think of human value the way we like to speak of human value uh, in, in bumper sticker type ways. Uh, this is just me. And when it comes down to that kind of choice, the born win over the unborn every time. Bad versus good abortions. Uh, the rest of this should be Real easy, right? Um, so I actually believe that not all abortions are created equally. So I say that I hate abortion. I think that abortion is a dirty business. But that, there is actually a type of abortion that I think is a good abortion. Uh, I think that when the abortion happens very, very quickly, within a few days, uh, morning after pill, um, the week after pill, uh, maybe the you know, three weeks after pill. But um, I, I think there is um, a place where abortion is just... Morally neutral. It doesn't, whatever the human fetus, zygote, clump of cells, fertilized egg is, I don't care about it. I just, I have no emotional attachment to that assemblage of cells as a human being. Uh, have your abortion then. Make your decision quickly. Have your abortion. Move on with your life. The bad abortions are when the thing happens that makes us that makes the human life truly viable. And I, uh, I will be perfectly honest with you, I don't know where that is. Uh, it could be at the point where brainwaves happen. Uh, Vic Ruiz uh, suggested that on the board, It could be right. It could be at the point uh, of spinal cord insertion. Um, but there, there is a point when we're talking about something significantly more uh, than what there is in the beginning. And I think abortion at that point uh, it, it qualifies in my category of bad abortions, and I want to see fewer of those. I would love to see those eliminated. That is not to say that I want to make it illegal, but I, I, it is important that you understand that there is a, a difference for me between good abortions and bad abortions. Now, what can we do? Uh, before we get to the what can we do, I want to I lay out what I think the problem is. What what creates the abortion problem in the first place? Now, forgive me. Some of what follows might be incendiary, <laughs> as if uh, as if what you've heard hasn't been. I think that Christians are part of the problem, and the the Christian idea makes abortion uh, worse. So here's here's where I think that Christians have been. A part of the problem and actually make make it worse. So, um 70%, this is a statistic you can see it in uh the sources uh that I've included uh in uh, in my write up. 70% of women who get abortions identify as Christians. So, whatever it is Christians are doing in teaching about abortions, it's not working. It's not working. Um I think that women take longer to decide to get abortions because of a uh, fear of Christian backlash. So some of the, what I would call the bad abortions happen because Christians, uh, they don't feel like they can go in and get it done when they go to churches. And this is uh, borne out by statistics too. I don't have time to cite everything, but when they, when they go to their churches uh, or church members and talk about abortion, they usually... Uh, get uh, retribution and judgment and condemnation. Uh, and so they don't do it. Um, and it gets put off and eventually they decide to get the abortion anyway, but it's it's after the term is much longer than it needs to be. Um, and then the churches um, that are against proper birth control, uh, which you know, all of the Catholic Church, Uh, And I think when it comes right down to it, most of uh, the mainstream uh, Christians too, if you ask them, they don't believe that uh, young men and women should be using birth control uh, outside of marriage. Well, guess what? A lot of abortions happen due to sex that happens outside of marriage. Uh, And so if better sex education, better birth control uh, was a part of the equation, uh, I think that we could actually eliminate abortions. So finally, what can we do to eliminate abortions? I've set all of this up, and so you you can probably guess what's coming. First of all, uh, somewhat unintuit- uh, unintuitively, if we want to re- reduce abortions, make abortion more available as a viable option to more people, so that they can get the abortion early. So this is this is one of the things that will eliminate. Or reduce what I call the bad abortions. It just needs to be a viable option up front. But but it, uh, moving further than that, we need better sex education. Uh, and anyone who teaches abstinence only should not be allowed to teach kids anything about sex education because that's that's just a failed uh, experiment that ignores the human condition. Uh, thirdly uh condoms birth control should be free for everybody, teens and adults everybody um because sex is gonna happen and and in fact, maybe more sex would happen, and that just that frightens Christians to death, but while more sex might happen i 'm not sure more sex would happen because it's happening anyway, fewer pregnancies would happen fewer pregnancies lead to fewer abortions. And then uh, finally, science uh, can get even more involved so that the more things like the morning after pill uh, can be even more effective. And uh, uh, even with longer periods of time, because you don't always know that you're pregnant the morning after. Uh, So uh, I I think that all of these things taken together would not only reduce bad abortions, they would reduce abortions altogether. But a lot of this stems from how we view and treat human sexuality. So just uh, a moment to plug. After this series on killing is over, we're going to pick up this thread, and we're going to spend a few weeks talking about human sexuality. Uh, So that said, uh, I have only one more thing to add to the abortion conversation. And I will do that at the end of the show in the form of a piece of music. Uh, and so, with that, I am going to mute my mic and turn it over to
5: Andrew.
1: Thank you, David. I think that uh, I think that covers a lot of the ground for what we will cover uh, today. And. Um, If you folks have things to say in the chat, by all means, uh, uh, alert us in the chat. And if there's something worth reading out as usual here on SNS, uh, one of the moderators will bring it to the front. Um, I will simply ask, before we get into opening statements and without getting into the position that I hold uh, on abortion, I will ask that even though you probably have a lot of emotion wrapped up when you listen to this show. Whichever side of the line you're on, whether you believe in choice or you're pro-life, whatever you are, because we know that we have these emotional responses, I I, I will ask and suggest that this is one of the most important times you could possibly apply the notion of Philosophical charity. Demonizing the other side, going in with your answer already decided, is not a way to hear this conversation. And I'll also say that you should listen and realize that the pro-life movement and the pro-choice movement they're not opposite poles in the way that that uh, in the way that this topic has been politicized. I think that that both sides have good in mind, and so again, without getting into my view on the topic, which will certainly come out in the unfolding of this show, listen with your best. Intent. Listen with your best intent, Teddy. If you don't mind, you are um, you are well practiced in opening statements. Would you mind delivering your opening first? Are you prepared for that? Well,
3: it's going to be temporary. I, <laughs> I have a
2: quick question, if I could. Please. Um, Okay, so uh, so you said that the moderators would get a chance to do an opening statement as well, right?
1: Oh, yes, and I, I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, you have that option right now, if you would like it.
2: Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, let me go ahead and, and do mine right now, uh, just because I'm not one of the, you know, one, one of the debaters who's here to actually debate the position. So I'll kind of just say my piece and then just let the, you know, the two debaters kind of uh, take off with it. If that's right, Teddy, I don't mean to cut you off. Okay. Um, so is that okay with you, uh, Andrew?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Please, uh, thank you for alerting me to the break-in protocol.
2: Oh yeah, no worries, no worries. Okay, so um, so I I just have a little brief uh, opening statement uh, I, I would like to give. Uh, I didn't actually have one prepared. Uh, it was actually kind of a last minute thing for me to join the podcast here. But uh, before I, before I give a brief opening statement, I wanted to respond to a couple of the things that David said in his position, because if I don't, it's unfortunately going to end up poisoning the well against the pro-life position uh, based on some of the things that David said, it's already going to prime uh, any of the pro-choice listeners against the pro-life view uh, because of some of those things. And so uh one of the one of the uh, mistakes that David was making in his statement, and this is actually a common mistake in the in the uh, abortion issue. Um, there there are actually a lot of mistakes in that a lot of the nuances of the view or of the uh, discussion are ignored. Um, and one of those uh, nuances happens to be the difference in value. So David was saying that uh, that there's like a hierarchy of human value, and that even pro life people have a hierarchy. That no one actually believes in uh, human equality, and I just want to say that that's that's absolutely false. Uh, I'm not sure why David thinks he can uh, psychoanalyze the pro-life movement as a whole or pro-life people as a whole. But uh, one of the mistakes he's making is the difference between intrinsic value and instrumental value. Intrinsic value is a value that that something has within itself. So not even talking about people, things like uh, beauty uh, is intrinsically valuable. It's something that's worth pursuing for its own sake, not to get us anything else. And so human beings according to the pro-life position are intrinsically valuable. They are valuable in and of themselves. They're worth pursuing for their own sake, not to get them something else. Uh, In fact, if you treat a human being as merely a means to an end, pro-life people would say that's immoral. Uh, You can get that from a Kantian position. Uh, You can also get that from an Aristotelian uh, position of human value. so there's a difference in types of value. So when we say that all human beings are intrinsically valuable, that means that we, we believe that all of them have equal rights and that we have an obligation to treat people in a specific way. Now, does that mean that if two people are in mortal danger, uh, you know, like a burning IVF clinic, like uh, David alluded to, that uh, that you know, I, I have to necessarily go for a higher number of persons because I hold uh, human equality. Well, no, that, that doesn't follow because there are there might be instrumental reasons that I choose the one over the many. Uh, so th- this type of, uh, of uh, discussion regarding value, we, we need to keep in mind the actual distinctions between types of value, instrumental value and intrinsic value. Uh, but also, and uh, I, I say this next part because I don't want to offend David, Uh, but I do hope that he will reconsider his view on human value because uh, David's position on human value is actually pretty scary. And the reason for that is because that's how we got chattel slavery in America, the Tuskegee experiments. That's how we got the Holocaust. That's how we got the Cambodian genocide is because these dictators had a hierarchy of human value. Adolf Hitler believed that the Aryan race had value over Jews and homosexuals and gypsies and other undesirables. So he believed it was his moral right to kill those people. Uh, White Americans in the South, believed that there was a hierarchy of human value, that, uh, that white people had more value over black people. So they had the moral right to enslave them. Uh, so the modern the modern type of people that are devalued are the unborn. Uh, So this is the same type of argument that got us the Holocaust and that got us the Tuskegee experiments and chattel slavery. So this idea of a hierarchy of human value is actually really scary. And I I hope uh, David will reconsider uh, considering that all human beings have equal value instead of this this hierarchy of human value because it's how how we've gotten so many human atrocities in the past was because of this idea of human value. So when we when we look at uh, uh, so, so when we look at the issue itself, we we know that science has shown that human life begins at fertilization. We've uh, embryologists discovered that in the mid 1800s that human life begins at fertilization, uh, and then pro life people also make the case that if if human life begins at fertilization and our rights are intrinsic to us, that is that they're not granted by the government, but they are recognized by humans and we have an obligation to respect the rights of others. the only way to make sense of this of this view of human equality is if human rights inhere in us by nature, not that they're granted to us by government, because again, if the government can grant rights, that means that they can take them away at any point. That means that we could always return to enslaving black people, or we could always return to some other human rights atrocity. The only way to make sense of the fact that it's wrong to do those things, even when it was wrong, is the idea that there are human rights and that those human rights are there regardless of our view view of of human value or of human rights. So we have an obligation to treat human beings in a certain way, whether or not we have an emotional attachment to them. You know, I I have an emotional attachment to members of my family, one that might not be there to a complete stranger. You know, I, I don't feel an emotional attachment necessarily to a homeless person who's begging for money on the street. But does that mean then that I'm justified in killing that person, or even that I'm justified in just walking by without giving him a second glance or or um, excuse me, without trying to meet some need that he has that that lack of emotional attachment is not an indicator of how of how I, I am able to or of how I am supposed to treat that person so if the if the unborn are human beings or biological human beings, which they are, we know that through scientific discovery. Uh, then we have an obligation to treat those human beings in a certain way. And so we have an obligation to respect the right to life of those human beings, even though we don't have uh, any sort of emotional attachment to them, while we might have an emotional attachment to the pregnant woman. Because uh, often our emotional attachments can actually lead us astray and cause us to do the wrong thing, we we might be well-meaning in doing the wrong thing, but we're still doing the wrong thing. So we can't let our emotional attachments be a guide as to how to treat a a certain uh, subsection of human beings ethically.
1: Okay, so I am sure that we are going to get into uh, full moral status. Uh, This is what the the, uh, part of what you were saying with Clinton is what the philosophical literature describes as full moral status. I'm sure that in the course of the debate, we're going to get into full moral status. Um, and, and I'll ask uh, just for the listeners to consider whether there's a slippery slope fallacy in what you've said there and ask Teddy to, uh, to deliver her opening statement if she's ready.
3: Yes. Um- So one of the things that we hear constantly in in our society today is um this concept of inclusiveness and that is an important thing we want people to to feel a part of society we don't like the idea of people being left out and so that's a good thing um and especially when we look back At our history, and we see how there were segments of the population. We look back at how uh, people were brought from Africa and enslaved, and we saw the horrors of slavery, and we saw how we had our president, Abraham Lincoln, the only leader in this world who had fought a civil war in order to abolish, The horror of the institution of slavery. That's the only time in world history where a civil war was fought to abolish that horrible institution. And from that, we would think that we would have learned from that the the idea and lesson that you don't try to define someone out of their humanity. And what we try to do is we try to figure out what is the common denominator that all humans have? And that is their very humanity. And we figure out what is that that makes us human? And that is our nature. And that is when at the time of fertilization, when a sperm and an egg unite, and then you have that fertilization, And then life is created. And that is what we all have in common. And with that life, what you have is the sense, this infinite sense of possibilities. That is the most precious gift that anybody can be given. Life. And you know what? Everyone in the sound can hear my voice. You know what? You value life and you know how I know that? Because you can hear me. You haven't committed suicide. You were here, you can hear it. And so you value it. And maybe you complain about, you don't like this or that, but you are here. You value it. For whatever reason, you are still here. And rightly so, because there's so much to value in life. And if you will just wait, and times are tough, if you just wait, something will change. There are infinite possibilities. There are people that go through the darkest of times and then you just wait. Things happen, we have free will. Things change. And so that is the beauty of life. And for people who do not believe in God, for atheists, that makes this life even more important because to an atheist, you only have one life. This life here on earth. And so this gift of life to be to have it stripped from someone, that's a crime. That that's a crime. You and and we all have that right. And and in the Declaration of Independence, you know, we are endowed with that. I mean. liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, what gives a woman, we keep talking about a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to bodily autonomy. I'm a woman, I want bodily autonomy, but do I have an absolute right to bodily autonomy? If I have an absolute right to bodily autonomy, that means that I can go and and commit all sorts of crimes with my body can i commit child abuse with my fist no i don't have bodily autonomy in that sense i have to i have to do certain things that can you know that conform to certain laws moral laws legal laws societal laws um so we don't have absolute Right to bodily autonomy—that's a farce. Um, and just even morally, there are certain things, you know, natural laws. There are certain things that that nature imposes upon us. You know, for example, getting old. Well, you know, I don't know too many people that like the idea of becoming, you know, really old. We prefer to, you know, stay young. But you know what? Nature imposes that reality upon us. Nature imposes on women the reality of, you know, once you get a certain age, certain things start happening to your body. And, and there are certain things where whether you uh, have sex and, and you inadvertently get pregnant or you, you have sex and you want to get pregnant or you get raped and you get pregnant, the body is made to where you may get pregnant. And there are certain duties that occur where a woman, as a mother, has a duty to a child that is growing within the womb. And that duty is not the same as what just any random person owes to any other random person. There is a special duty that a mother owes to a child growing in her womb. And that is a sacred duty. And if an atheist is going to say that they, because they don't have a God, I don't think that there are very many atheists, at least not the ones that I know and that I have spoken to, that I think are going to say that that they don't think that there is some sort of a special bond between a mother or a parent and their child. And if they if they do say that, then I think there's something wrong with them. That's a natural bond. We see that in animals, in the lowest of animals, where they protect their young. And so there are duties. And 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 the people who can hear my voice, who have still chosen to live because they see the value of life and they know the value of life. You know what? They are still here and they are even here because they reap the benefit of having a mother that did not kill them while they were in the womb. And they lucked out, they won the lottery. But what does it say about a person who says, you know what, I've got mine. I don't care about the people who don't get theirs. Is that inclusion? Is that what we call inclusion? I'm tired of these people. You know, talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. You want inclusion? What about those babies that are losing their opportunity to enjoy this thing that we call life the most precious gift that any of us can ever hope to have. We're combined with free will. There's just no telling what we can make of it. And are there joys and sorrows and everything else mixed up in between that are part of it? Yes. That's all part of life, but but that's what makes it so wonderful. Without the darkness, you don't know what joy is. And so it's all part of it. But we don't have a right just because a baby is not fully developed. We don't have a right to unnaturally thwart that development and say, oh, it's not capable of advanced thought yet we can kill it we can stick scissors in its in the back of its neck and do a late-term abortion and have it have half of its body hanging out and 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 do that sort of I mean it's just it's sick and we call this a civil society and these abortionists how are they different from Joseph Mengedela? And we think of ourselves this is America and this is happening and, and and we are trying to pass laws against this and the United States Supreme Court keeps knocking it down and we and, and, and the legislative branch in this country has just completely just, they've, they've taken their hands off, they've shirked the responsibility. And they are the, the branch of the government that is the closest to the people. And they have backed off, they, have, they are just cowards. And now the Supreme Court, they, they just sit there and they've become cowards too. At first they were all the big dictators, the tyrants seizing control unelected and seizing control and now they're they too are afraid and they're about to get packed too and lose their power but uh, but this this society is going downhill quick and the people that care about life and and you know what what happens is is at first, It's always somebody else that's getting persecuted. It's always somebody else that's being treated as a subhuman, but then then they start pointing at you. Eventually it gets to be you. And so we have to look again at the common denominator. What makes us human? It is our human nature and we don't say that who is valuable if they're smart if they are capable of more sophisticated thoughts how developed they are how big they are whether their heart has started beating yet will it start beating if you don't suck them out and dismember them before you let just a little bit of time pass so that their heart will start beating? Is it just a matter of time and development that is needed? That's all that's needed. So let's not make these false distinctions. Let's not say that, oh, we get to kill somebody just because we're gonna, we're going to just beat them to the punch in terms of, we're not going to let them develop. We're going to rob them. If, if you've got some aunt that um, decides to send you a priceless Renoir in the mail and then somebody uh, steals it, and you had no idea that your aunt was going to send you this this Renoir in the mail. And some so someone steals it. You had no idea it was coming. Have you been robbed? Have you have you have you experienced a theft, even though you didn't realize it was coming to you? Well, yes. You're a victim of a crime. You you have. You've had something stolen from you, even though you didn't realize it because you were owed that. You were owed that priceless gift and it was taken from you. And so you lost the enjoyment of it. You, you lost all that you could have done with that. Um, but but life, of course, is so, so much more. and. And if we want to call our society a civil society, I mean, what makes a society civil? Can we have a, a society be civil without fairness and justice? And is it fair and is it just to assign human rights to people based on Some people trying to say, oh, well, that's not a person. And trying to use these legalistic terms to define somebody out of their humanity and out of their rights to exist. That's not fair. That's not just. And there can be no civility. There can be no goodness by those standards. And um, I just I don't think that when people really think about it, they they, they 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 they're not thinking. They they have fallen into this brainwashing of 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 just these leftist talking points of it's your choice, it's your choice, this bodily autonomy business. And, and I, I was reading this, this article where this woman was, was talking about how horrific it was that in order for her to get a late term abortion, she was having to travel to another state and how we should just cry a river for her, <laughs> my jaw just about dropped. Cry her a river because she had to travel to another state so that an abortion doctor can plunge scissors in the back of the skull of her baby as half of the baby is gonna be out of her body without anesthesia. Let's cry her a river. This is what's going on. And and in terms of late term abortions, most abortions do happen earlier on, but there's still late abortions, late term abortions going on in this country. And there's still eight states in this country that have no limits whatsoever on late-term abortions. And there are still plenty of states in this country that permit them for, and some of them say for the health of the mother, which is a very, very loose standard, which can mean the psychological health. So if a woman says, oh, well, this is stressing me out this pregnancy. Well, oh, that's, you know, causing your psychological stress. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. This is not acceptable. This is not moral. This is not ethical. This is not good. And this is not civil. And it used to be said, and it was said that America is great because America is good. But America, America has been losing its greatness. I don't like that and I want it to be brought back to to what it was. But but I the the, the decline is it, it it's just stunning how how rapid it is occurring.
1: Teddy, I'm going to ask you to pull this together and wrap up your opening so that Aaron has an opportunity.
3: But uh, but anyway, we we have to think about what is going on in terms of our the most important fight that that has to be fought is to preserve the rights of the unborn because there's a Holocaust going on. There are over 71 million deaths that have occurred since 1973 until until 2020 uh, and that that's a holocaust that's beyond the Holocaust so we, we have to get out there and be serious about this and fight and and by fighting that means voting people in that will make differences thank you
1: Okay, Darren, um, your, uh, your opening, take as much time as you need.
4: Okay, well, um, so I've had my um, position up on the board since Wednesday. And for those of you that already read it, you can pretty much see that I predicted everything that uh, Clinton and Teddy um, has said in their openings and described in detail why it doesn't even really matter. Um, one of the things that I predicted was that Teddy uh, wouldn't actually argue as if she believed heaven and hell were real places. And you saw that in her opening argument. Um, so anyways, let me uh, just sort of summarize what's uh, what I went over and um, and uh, then I guess we can go from there. So. Uh, there's this concept in uh, psychology about cognitive dissonance. Uh, it's where people hold two conflicting views um, at the same time, um, views that can't be true at the same, uh, both be true at the same time. For the anti-abortionist, it's that um, we are taking away their life, and yet they still go to heaven. So um, when when a secularist talks about taking a life, they're talking about the actual cessation of all existence. Um, Completely existence is gone. So when a secularist is talking about taking a life, they're actually talking about something different than the theist is talking about. Um, For um, all of the Christian denominations I was able to find uh, preparing for this, I'm sure I didn't do a uh, comprehensive view, but they either um, contended that um, anyone under the age of um, I forget what they call it, consent. No, it's um, anyways, where they're responsible for their actions gets an automatic ticket to heaven. Some say that uh, the ticket isn't guaranteed in their theology, but they trust in God's um, goodness (laughs) that they would Anyone who can't doesn't have the option to um, uh, uh, doesn't have the option to really take into consideration what the theology is that God would go ahead and let him in anyways. So in the Christian theology, killing someone actually isn't really a, cess- a cessation of their life. Um, what it is, is just changing their perception from one life to another. So when a a theist says that um, anti-abortionists are preventing people from having their right to life, they're not actually being completely accurate. What they're saying is that the right to life in that uterus has been taken away and that the child will have to just settle for a, a life with God in heaven. So... That is you know, one of those cognitive dissonances that theists have to deal with. They, they have this passion, and you heard it in Teddy's voice. She's very passionate about it. She very much believes that a life is being taken away. She's very emotional about it. And yet she also believes that the life isn't being taken away because that baby will live in heaven with God. So... If we are to take Teddy's position on this, and I happen to know that Teddy is very much a burn for all eternity type of uh, Christian, um, Mm -hmm. where hell is a eternal torment, then what she's saying is she would rather see a person grow up and be condemned to hell to be tortured for all eternity, rather than get a guaranteed ticket to heaven. And At first, it doesn't seem like that's what she's saying, but when you actually stop and think about how her theology works with the real world that we're living in, that is the only conclusion that you can come to from what uh, her argument is. She's saying that she would rather take away that person's guaranteed trip to heaven and instead make it a very high possibility that they're gonna be tortured for all eternity. And that's what the theist really has to contend with. I mean, there really is no moral argument that they can make about earthly rights or uh, earthly uh, right to life or anything like that when heaven and hell is literally in the balance. And that's why I say that most uh, Christians don't actually believe in their theology because when they start, when they start arguing about abortions, um, about rights to life, they argue as if they don't actually believe heaven and hell exist. So that's the first hurdle that Teddy's going to have to um, get over today um, is how does she square her passion for uh, the fetus with her theology that she is for every abortion she blocks, she is condemning, uh, possibly condemning that baby tail to be tortured for all eternity. Another problem is, is that she says that the right to life is a divine divinely granted. I mean, I I think it's great that she thinks that. I think uh, if people thought of life that way, perhaps we'd have less wars in the world. Of course, the problem is, is that she can't actually demonstrate it's true. Um, She can point to a Bible, but she can't demonstrate that the Bible is actually what she claims it is. Uh, She can uh, point to um, basic beliefs or intuition or how she feels, but again, none of that's actually evidence that any of her supernatural claims are true. So that's another hurdle she's going to have to manage today. How does she demonstrate that her claims to a divinely granted right to life are even relevant to the conversation? That's not even like the uh, God in her Bible cared about life. Um, I mean genocides. I mean, he personally drowned the whole world, according to the Bible. So, I mean, I'm assuming there were baby and unborn babies uh, while he was doing that drowning. So God obviously doesn't care about uh, the fetus as much as she does. Um, And then she's going to have to uh, deal with the fact that a lot of what she says is an emotional appeal, but it doesn't really address the actual problem. Both uh, Clinton and Teddy, as you heard, uh, say that there's no uh, value ladder that uh, David was talking about, and yet everything they talked about was a value ladder. Teddy specifically said that uh, the unborn baby has more value than the rights that the mother has to her own body. That's part of the value ladder that David was talking about. Clinton uh, was talking about equal, uh, equal rights, and yet I don't have the right to demand that someone else give up their body for me to survive. So they're not really talking about equal rights either, because if they were talking about equal rights, then the, then the mother would have the right to control her own body, even if it meant the life of another person. And that's not what they're arguing for. They're arguing that the fetus, has more rights to the woman's body than the woman does. Um, And you can see that uh, because they don't care about the woman's rights or if they do, they value the fetus's rights more than the woman's rights. And they're valuing it for something that doesn't even happen the way they are projecting that it happens according to their theology. Yeah. The fetus may have a right to life, but does it really have a right to life in the uterus? What's wrong with a right to life in heaven? And I think I'll leave it for there and um, we can continue on.
1: Okay, Darren, thank you. I think I want to start in a place where you left off and open this up for the room. And uh, it's now time for uh, much more back and forth. So uh, uh, Clinton? Feel free. You were called out uh, uh, in in Darren's opening, so uh, feel feel free to, to chip in here. I certainly feel free to because uh, that's the skeptics and seekers contract, and uh, I can I can see without being there that uh, David's hand is hovering over the mute button. Uh, so here we go. Um, given. Uh, given that a woman doesn't want to get pregnant and, uh, and she takes some contraception. So she has not only uh, said that she doesn't want children, but she has taken appropriate steps uh, as far as she can tell uh, not to get pregnant. And maybe she even goes further. Maybe she even requires her, her male partner also to wear contraception. There's a limited number of cases where both contraceptive measures fail and the woman still ends up pregnant. So the question for the room is this. Given that that is an occasional case where both persons' contraceptive measures fail, but the woman has plainly stated through the use of taking contraception that she does not want a child, does she at that moment have a right
5: to an
3: abortion. No, you don't get to kill somebody just because of a mishap.
2: Yeah, when you say you're opening the question to the room, does that mean that you're that like anyone in the room can respond? Or yeah, I specifically called you out. If you feel free,
1: uh, feel free to respond. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, I would say. Well, no, uh, she doesn't have a right to an abortion because the act of sex is intrinsically linked toward having children. So, if you have sex, even if you try to use contraception to avoid getting pregnant, you haven't changed the the uh, reproductive nature of sex. You've only added a barrier to procreation. So, you know, if a person gets drunk and says, you know, uh, you know, I can drive home. I'm feeling okay. Uh, but they hit someone uh, with their car. They're still held accountable. Uh, for make for reparations to the person they hit they can't just make the argument well you know i consented to drink and drive but i didn't consent to hit that pedestrian so i'm not morally responsible for what happened to the pedestrian well that's clearly not a good argument because the pedestrian was harmed by a direct action that you took you you drank lowering your inhibitions and your ability to make uh wise decisions and then you drove in such a state so you're responsible for reparations to that person uh in in the same way since Procreation is intrinsically linked to uh, to sex. If uh, if a man and woman have sex and woman is a pregnant, they have a responsibility to the child that they created because they not only brought that child into existence, but they specifically placed that child in a state of dependence upon the woman. So she can't just say, you know, I consented to have sex, but I didn't consent to getting pregnant because, you know, the, pregnancy is a consequence of sex. You can't consent to consequences. You can only consent to the original act, uh, by which that consequence can obtain.
1: All right. So let me, uh, let me follow that question. Teddy, feel free to chip into both of these, but I think, uh, I think there's something that needs to be added here. Uh, so, you're saying that every act of sex, no matter when it happens, is intrinsically linked to reproduction?
2: Intrinsically linked, yes. Now, obviously, uh, not you're every time. Have to peel
1: that apart a little bit. Now,
2: now, obviously, not every time a couple has sex, they get pregnant because there are certain things that have to go right. You know, the woman has to be ovulating. So, it's not intrinsically
1: uh, linked every time.
2: Well, no, it's intrinsically linked but uh, just like smoking is intrinsically linked to, uh, to getting lung cancer, not everyone who smokes gets lung cancer, but uh, getting lung cancer is a direct result of smoking for your entire life. That's a false so equivalency. Well, is, how is it a false equivalency?
1: I'll be glad to tell you.
2: Well, uh, feel if free, every, I, I
1: asked. If every act of sex is not intrinsically linked to getting pregnant, and in fact, we know that it's not because there are only three days a month or so during ovulation that women are likely to get pregnant. 173. Okay, so... They- Wait, h- hold on. What did you say, Darren? I'm sorry.
4: 173. That's uh, the average number of sex acts it takes to get pregnant.
1: But by death- okay, So it's, uh, it's far less likely uh, that you will get pregnant, then you won't. I don't see the intrinsic link. So how
2: does that, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Teddy.
3: Whichever day, but whichever, um, however, the person got pregnant, clearly they got pregnant on one of those days. So they assumed the risk on that day that they weren't being careful in terms of when they had sex. Uh, wait a minute.
1: I, I actually, that's not how I set this up. I specifically said that not only was she being careful, but she also required her partner to be careful. She has stated in as many ways as she can possibly state that she does not want a child.
2: So, how does it prove? So, how does the fact that she can only get pregnant a few days out of the month prove that sex is not intrinsically linked to pregnancy?
1: Because, well, because you can have. Sex the other twenty-seven days, and they don't get pregnant. Yeah, but
2: that doesn't that doesn't prove anything though, because yeah. on those three well, but, days that she gets okay, pregnant, she, on those three days, well, hold on, just, just, just three but, days a month. On those three days she got pregnant, she got pregnant because she had sex. So sex is intrinsically on the 27 linked to reproduction. That
1: she had sex and didn't get pregnant.
2: Yeah, but that, that doesn't prove anything. That doesn't prove anything though, because uh, everything has to go right in order for the pregnancy. Right, to happen. and it's much more likely that it doesn't.
3: But let me, y'all are missing the, the, actually, the big, big picture is that sex is risky business in the sense that anytime somebody has sex, there is the assumption of the risk. No, there's no. Pregnancy? Well, yes, no. it is. because no,
1: there's not the there the, the agreement there. to have sex is not an agreement in, 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 to pregnancy.
3: Nope, there are countless women, you know, from, you know, from the beginning of time, who accidentally got pregnant and didn't want to, and, um, and that's so- not what we're
1: talking about here. We're talking about a woman who is taking birth control and requiring her partner right. also to take contraceptive measures.
3: And that's why it's risky because sometimes contraception fails. So that it's not
1: it's not foolproof. I so, think
4: the problem so, here is so that no, Andrew's talking decision. about consent and the other two are talking about biology. Yes,
1: that is exactly right.
2: Well, yeah, I, I responded to Andrew's argument from consent, though, that because poorly. sex is is intrinsically. Well, no, it wasn't poorly. Uh, this is just the reality. Well, yes, it was intrinsically linked to yeah, absolutely because, because sex is intrinsically linked to procreation. when a no, yeah, was but that, sex, does, that, that doesn't matter. She That has absolutely matter. zero. Well, it, does it does matter. Absolutely just,
4: zero to, well, it to does, prove it your does, point.
2: It does matter, and I use the example no, of doesn't. drunk. And I use the example of drunk driving to show why it matters. Uh, Andrew asserted without evidence that it's a false you equivalency. Know what the, do you know what the definition is? And I asked oh, wait, him why it was a false equivalency. He didn't give an answer to that.
1: Just wait. What are you saying that I asserted
2: without that, evidence? That the that the let's not uh, use phrases
1: you don't understand.
2: Well, I do understand the phrase assert. Uh, you know, I, I, I I'm a, you know I have studied logic, uh, so I, I understand the terms that I'm using. If you disagree well, with them, see. then maybe there's a disagreement there. But you know, well, get on so with it. I, so I, so I used so I I use the analogy of drunk driving, and then you said. Uh, it's a false equivalency. And I and I asked, how is it a false equivalency? And you said, and you just said, well, because sex is not uh, intrinsically linked well, look, to procreation. Let me address you directly. And that's not really, so what that's not really Let, let me tests.
1: address your let me address your hypothetical directly. Hmm. If you drink and drive, and I happen to be on the road, and you hit me. My being on the road is not my agreement to you hitting me, and in fact, and in fact, we have laws that will punish you because I wasn't giving my consent.
2: Okay, I think you misunderstood. I think you misunderstood. misunderstood my analogy. Well, I, I, I think you say, misunderstand
4: what consent means.
2: Well, no, I don't. I don't misunderstand what consent means. Uh, consent I, is I'm the permission
4: using... for something to happen or agreement to do something.
2: Okay, but you can't consent to getting pregnant because getting pregnant is outside the woman's control. Uh, Well, people do consent to get pregnant. That's what (laughs) you can take steps to avoid pregnancy, but and you can take uh, steps to get pregnant. Well, yeah, you she can, but getting pregnant is ultimately outside the woman's control because even if she has sex on days right, when but she's when, ovulating, she right, still but when might she's still get, trying pregnant to get due pregnant, to some other factor.
4: She's giving consent to be pregnant when she's trying to get pregnant. If she's not well, trying to no, get pregnant and she's actively trying to stay not pregnant, well, consent no, is not something she's doing right there by definition.
2: Well, no, but what I'm saying though is that you cannot consent to getting pregnant because getting pregnant is outside of the woman's control. You can take steps. Yes, sex you to, can get yes, you, you can
4: okay. No, I'll, no, I'll leave this even to if, the even audience. if all, even all if the audience all the, out there, even if do you all the stars, align, cons- uh, all all the the stars align,
2: she still might not get pregnant on the days that she's ovulating, it's still outside of her control.
4: It doesn't matter, consent well, doesn't has nothing matter. to do with biology.
2: Well, it, it does, consent, consent is a state of about, mind. Well, no, because you can consent to have sex, but you can't consent oh, to have wait a minute, pregnancy, wait a minute. Are just you like actually you can consent to play the lottery, but you can't consent to winning the lottery. Winning the lottery is outside of your control, Quentin. Quentin, what?
1: are you saying that you can consent without an act of consent?
2: Uh, is there more to your question or? Because I'm, I'm not sure your question makes sense. I mean- Yeah, it makes sense. You, you can say- The fact that you don't understand it doesn't consent. mean
1: that it doesn't make sense.
2: Consent well, no. is a thing. Let me
1: finish. Consent so I, I think.
2: Consen- I think the, let me finish, please. Second time. Okay. Well, uh, you know, stop. Or the third time. Uh, stop saying you don't. Know, stop saying you know there are or things the that, third that I don't understand about this. We might have question. a difference of opinion, but you know. You I'm, haven't I'm understood the, the question, day, and so. in fact,
1: you said you didn't understand the question. <laughs> okay, so, so if you'll stop and listen, I'll explain it to you.
2: Okay, and I was
1: okay. Explain it. Thank you. So, what is consent? When I say that I, um, when I say that I want to have sex, that would be an act of consent, or, or at least an act of desire. Right,
2: if someone's... if
1: uh,
4: there might be a lag with you guys.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to tell. If someone says that they want to have sex with me. And I say, no, that is a lack of consent. Do we agree that far? Yes. Okay. If someone says that they want to have sex with me and I agree, that is consent. Do we agree that far? Yes. Okay. So then it is clear that my sex, whether I choose to have it or not, is something that I agree or disagree with. I have the right to say yes or no. And as far as I understand you now, there is no situation in which I have sex and I have not offered one of those two a yes or a no. So what I've tried to tell you and what Darren is telling you is consent is the state of mind about having sex. So what I said to you was, "Can you give consent without consent? Is there consent without consent?"
2: Well, you, you worded it funny, which is why I didn't understand. Okay. Do what you, you understand? Were saying, it now? But, but yeah, in order to okay. consent, you have to you have to give your consent. But there are different forms of consent too. Like you can consent no, tacitly without your. Uh, well, sure uh for example if the uh, if you come into an operating room after having a, a major accident and you're unconscious uh it, does the doctor have the right to operate on you uh if there's no such thing as tacit consent then no a doctor could not operate on you but the doctor operates under the assumption that you would say yes well actually after, you are not yes. well no i'm just talking about like if you were in an, in an accident something you couldn't prepare for something you couldn't foresee if you come into a doctor's office. <laughs> so or are you, a, are you, are you are saying are that those who uh, are, I, I don't understand. So, no, I'm just saying uh, there are different, there are different ways you can consent too. You don't necessarily have to consent openly. Uh, well, The doctor assuming consent is yes or not or no. the same
4: thing as you actually consenting. No.
2: Does the
1: unconscious woman consent?
2: No, if we're talking about sex, okay, then no. Then right. But, but like I'm saying, there are other forms of consent too. So if a woman has, if a woman willingly has sex, she is tacitly consenting to the possibility of pregnancy. No, she's the not. Because pregnancy no. is a result of yes, having sex. She no. no, she's oh. not. Yes, she is. She is. <laughs>
4: the definition of consent is permission for something to happen or agreement to do something. It, There's no such thing as uh, as tacit consent as so you're trying to figure it out. Then,
2: so are you saying then that the doctor does not have a right to to operate on someone who comes into the the er unconscious and unable to give consent the doctor does not have a right to operate on that person hey Dan, I just,
4: it has nothing to do about rights right now well, we're talking does. about consent, consent talking because about the doctor consent. does not have consent in well, what no, you're saying doctor, he has assumed consent cannot you. the doctor well, is no, trying to cite the doctor is trying to say that's save, what i'm talking about, here. What what I'm talking your about here. yes you're that's not comparing apples here. to apples yeah. you're not comparing apples to apples
3: i got a question for darren and andrew when a man uses prophylactics and, and gets a woman pregnant, um, does he have to pay child support?
4: Again, we're not talking about the law at this point, we're talking <laughs> about consent.
3: Does he get his consent? If, if a man doesn't want to have a child, if a man doesn't give his consent to have a child, does he have to support that child? Does he have a moral duty to support the child? Does he have a legal duty to support the child? Should he have to support the child?
4: If the woman is getting pregnant against the man's consent, then I see no reason why the man should be held responsible for that.
1: And in fact, there have been... been,
3: My question is...
1: I I heard your question. I, I heard your question. Let me answer you. So we actually have cases like this. We have cases of of entrapment where a woman will do something to a contraceptive to keep a guy in a relationship. These are played out in national headlines. And I don't know what the I don't know what the legal status legal, is. it doesn't I, matter. I'm,
3: Money's owed to Teddy, the- I'm trying to
1: answer you. Will you let me finish? I don't know what the legal status is, but ethically, ethically, I don't think he does have the obligation.
4: And, the, and it can be a, a reversed as well. If the woman does not want to be pregnant and the man does want to be pregnant, then the woman has no obligation to stay pregnant because she has not given her consent for anyone to use her body in a way that she does not approve of.
3: let's get to to the ethical implications of what you just said andrew so so by that father withholding child support who is he hurting who is he getting back at like hey i'm not gonna pay that woman for trying to trap me but let's say that woman is poor and um can't Afford to feed her child very very well. Who is suffering? Is it the woman, or and maybe she's suffering too? But what about the child? And so, actually, legally, um, child support—it doesn't matter what the woman did. Um, and and I so,
1: so and she I can condemn, be as unethical as she wants.
3: And I would condemn what that woman did. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's just morally reprehensible. But child support is owed to the child because that father has a moral duty to help support the child both parents do um that's just a parental obligation and a a dad doesn't have to uh it, it is it is because when because sex that's you know procreation. And sex is an inherently risky business. And when two people have sex, there is the assumption of the risk that, you know, a baby may come about. And so that yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's it the- only
4: matters to you. It doesn't matter to anyone on the pro-life <laughs> right. or the pro-choice side. I'm so if you're going to use that argument, it's going to fail.
3: that is not a reasonable position to take that it is not an assumption of the risk that when you have sex oh, but when, okay. may occur. That's not reasonable. I mean- I,
4: well, You may <laughs> claim it's not reasonable all you like, but that doesn't mean that anyone agrees with you.
3: Because you know what? There are uh, millions of women who have had sex and it's like, oops, you know? So, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding.
2: Yeah, just because sure. pro-choice people aren't convinced by it doesn't make it false. I mean, they could be well, right, uh, digging, digging their heels in and just saying, "I'm right, not convinced." But you're because they're not, they want you're to not presenting it. any reason because, we should hold think on, it's hold true. Hold on, okay. So, so I, I do want to. Let's okay. let Clinton and Teddy finish. Let, yeah. Finish. So. so yeah. So, you know, you, you, you can just be digging in your heels and saying, I'm not going to agree with you because you want to guard intellectual turf. So it doesn't matter what, whether or not pro-choice people agree with us. What matters is the arguments being made. So if you're going to respond to our arguments, we need you to respond to the arguments, not just saying, well, pro-choice people aren't really convinced by this. We, we need actual arguments to respond to our position.
4: Well, except if your okay. position isn't relevant to the conversation we're having, then it doesn't matter, right?
2: Well, it is. Like my discussion of consent regarding uh, regarding doctors is relevant to the discussion on, no, on not. consent regarding sex and pregnancy. Well, it is. Uh, no, it's not. We're hold talking on. about hold, the content of hold on. consent. Wait,
1: wait, Clinton. I think uh, I think that you're specific hypothetical about the doctor has been directly replied to you may not like the reply but i encourage you to go back and listen to this recording because we have replied to you directly using the example that you used and talked about exactly where it is disanalogous to this conversation
2: I don't recall anything being said about how it's disanalogous. Uh, perhaps you could reiterate why you think the two situations are disanalogous.
4: Well, it's disanalogous oh. because the doctor is assuming consent on the part of the patient. The patient has not actually provided his consent, but we allow that to happen because uh, the doctor is able to actually save the life of the of the patient. That is not analogous to a woman taking on a uh, risk because she wants to have sex, but doesn't want to actually get pregnant.
2: Well, it, it is analogous. And this is no, the reason it's why not it's analogous. The reason it's analogous is because we're talking about the the, the the concept of tacit consent. So pointing out that it's about a doctor saving a patient's life is an irrelevant uh, is irrelevant to whether or not my situation is analogous. Because all I'm saying is, that tacit consent is a real concept and the it doctor may is saving concept, the but lives of a non patient it well is. no in order to in order to refute an analogy you have to uh, you have to refute it at the point of of where the analogy is meant to analogize if you respond to an irrelevant point of the analogy then you're not we're not proving a disanalogy uh, you, you, can't you can't just point to any difference and say that the analogy right. doesn't work because that, that's not the point of analogies. All analogies break down at some point.
1: Hold on, Glenn. Not a bunch of amateurs here. We all know about analogies. What Darren is telling you and the thing that you are having trouble with is that your analogy is not grappling with the point that he's making. And so if there's, a, if there's a fault here, the fault is entirely, it is entirely with you using the analogy and not engaging with the point of consent. Now, I understand that, you are, that you're saying, oh, well, Darren's refusing to acknowledge where this analogy does make sense. But there's a clear disagreement over this analogy and it's happening on both sides.
2: Well, yeah, we am uh, refusing well, to. Hold on. What
1: I'm telling you is, you're being a little disingenuous when you say we don't understand the analogy.
2: Well, no, I.
3: I don't know why we're even wasting
1: this much time. Well, <laughs> okay, so to to recap for the listeners, nobody cares. The issue, to recap for the listeners, nuts To recap for the listeners. The issue here is one of whether consent to sex
3: we all know
1: is consent to pregnancy. That is why we are spending this time.
3: Let's move on. People know the answer to that. Let's move on to the other issues. Everybody, that is basic. That that is not something that is debatable in the minds of normal.
1: Well, it looks like it is debatable, Teddy.
3: I mean, it, it's debatable among people that want to try to prove their points. In, in, in just
1: well, it looks like that's both sides, doesn't it?
3: Well, well, people people know what the real answer is. So that's not something that we're really edifying anybody on. So, you know. you
1: So you're speaking for everyone out there now?
3: I, I am. Um, we Okay,
1: I'm not willing to let you do that.
3: We all know the answer to that. So
4: yes, the answer is that you guys are wrong.
3: The point, okay? Well, whatever, Darren. You know, everybody uh, out there knows what the answer is. Anybody that's,
4: you I know, keep telling yourself that.
5: Okay, well, uh, just,
4: just
3: everybody that understands how how people are, you know, made. Um, yeah, you know, but that is,
1: but that is, but that is exactly what's wrong. With the conversation right here today, I, I think.
3: But what qu- I know about the birds and the bees, and but that
1: is not that is not what is being discussed here. Yeah, you know, it's
3: a risky business to have sex, and if people don't realize, yes,
4: but risk is not sex consent.
1: Is not consent to pregnancy. it is when. No. <laughs>
4: You can you can keep asserting it all you like. It doesn't make it true. If
1: sex, it's this easy. If sex was consent to pregnancy, we wouldn't have contraception.
3: True. How are babies? mixed? sex, it
1: doesn't matter. Does matter. If sex was consent
4: to pregnancy, we wouldn't have contraception. It
1: matters.
4: See. this is this is the main argument that uh, anti-abortionists make that is such makes everyone just roll their eyes because every single one of the people out there, they know that when they have sex, they are not consenting to have uh, uh, a baby because people have sex for uh, recreation more than they have sex for when they're actually. I'm, trying I'm to jumping. I'm
0: jumping in real quick because we're about to lose Clinton. He's got a hard deadline in um, oh. uh, in one hour so uh try try to lose him
1: in one hour
0: try to yes no uh, i'm sorry in 10 minutes in 10 minutes so try to get the most out of clinton uh when he goes i will be glad to step into the
2: um okay chair i um yeah yeah
0: sorry but Uh, i'm sorry yeah so i'm just go ahead
2: yeah i was just gonna say yeah sorry sorry about that it's just you know i've been here for a couple hours and uh I, i i do have plans to uh uh, to, to attend a, a function. So yeah, I've got about 10 minutes and I've got to uh, head out.
1: So so Clinton, let me give you a couple of questions and let you reply. Um, and then we'll pick up uh, afterwards. So I think the first uh, the first thing that was interesting in your opening uh, had to do with full moral status.
5: Mm.
1: And I'd like for you to tease out for me. Uh, when you think full moral status begins, And whether full moral status is something that the the embryo achieves at the moment of conception, or whether full moral status is just something that we grant, because it is how we ourselves want to be treated. So this is all part of the the philosophical literature, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you know. Let's start with that, uh, and I'll ask you another question when you finish your answer on full moral status.
2: Okay. And also, hang on.
0: I'm also going to ask a question because I want you to answer it too, which is do you grant exceptions? Uh, So you can answer uh, Andrew's question. My question will take you a millisecond to answer. Go ahead.
2: Okay. And also, you know, I I dropped my email in the chat. So if anyone wants to follow up with me after the discussion, I'd be happy to continue the discussion there too. Um, Yeah. So regarding full moral status, uh, it's something that, in my view, happens at fertilization. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, as as all of us understand, human life is marked by development. Uh, Development is not something that stops when the child is born, it actually continues. You know, when the child is born, it can't survive on its own. Uh, You know, it needs its its parents to feed it. It needs its parents to to continue talking to it, to continue loving it and caring for it uh, so that it can continue developing. And we don't actually stop developing until sometime in our mid twenties when we reach our intellectual development Peak. Uh, so, human human life is something that's marked by development. So, the only non-arbitrary place to place uh, mo- full moral status is at fertilization, because uh, the reason that it's non-arbitrary is because it's the only point at which we move from non-human entities, the sperm and the ovum, to a human entity, the human embryo uh, slash zygote, which is just the very early human embryo. All other points along human development are arbitrary, because uh, because number one. Uh, where are you, where you place the capacity that's necessary for human value is going to differ from person to person. There's no objective way to know if it's consciousness or self-awareness or sentience or anything like that, which is the which is the actual capacity that's required for for moral status. Plus, even if you place it in one of those capacities, it's arbitrary where you place how much of it is required for human value. So the only non-arbitrary place to place uh, to place where full moral status begins is at the point of fertilization where the human embryo comes into existence uh, because again that's the only point we're moving from two non-human entities the sperm and ovum into a human entity the, the embryo uh, and so uh, to go even a little more philosophical than that uh full moral status depends on your nature it depends on the kind of thing that you are not the kinds of capacities that you can perform things like self-awareness uh sentience Uh, consciousness, all of these are functions of persons, just like you have to be a human before you can develop all of your human parts. You have to be a person before you can develop all of your your personal properties. So saying that a person is someone who can engage in consciousness or self-awareness, et cetera, is to to put the cart before the horse. Uh, You're confusing form with function. The form must be present first because the form is what determines all of our ultimate capacities, uh, not the other way around. So full moral status begins when the Human embryo comes into existence. Um, so that's my nutshell answer for when full moral status begins. And now I'll we'll address um, David's question about, uh, about exceptions. Uh, whether there are exceptions depends on who you ask. Uh, ma- many pro-life people will say there are no exceptions. And then when you press them on life-saving abortions, they'll say, well, yeah, that's not really abortion. That's a life-saving medical procedure. Uh, I think that that's kind of a, just, just kind of a semantic uh, difference. So I would say that the, the one exception that I would hold would be in the case of life-saving abortions. And the reason for that is because uh, for a, a couple of different reasons, in fact, that number one, there is the situation of triage where you have two people who are in mortal danger. You have the, the, uh, the woman, you know, for example, if we're talking about an ectopic pregnancy where the embryo implants in her fallopian tube, you have two people who are in mortal danger, the woman, the, the pregnant woman and the embryo. Uh, now, the triage says that you, sh- you must save the person who has the greatest chance of survival. If you try to save the embryo, uh, uh, you, you may lose them both. Uh, because the embryo is going to continue growing and eventually rupture the tube and the woman will hemorrhage and die. So you'll lose them both if you try to save the embryo. Uh, If you try to save the woman, the woman at least has a 100% chance of survival. So the woman is the one that you should save in a situation like that. Now, uh, when it comes to late-term abortions, a late-term abortion is never medically necessary to save a woman's life. A C-section is about a 30-minute procedure, whereas a late-term abortion takes three days. So if a woman is in the late term, and uh, has some, some sort of issue that's threatening her life the medically indicated thing to do would be to deliver the child uh, rather than go in for an abortion because it's safer for the woman and it's also uh, it's also quicker and uh, uh, than, than to you know wait the few days for the abortion so uh, so it's quicker and it's safer for the woman as well uh, now there's another another way that we can look at life-saving abortions and that's through the through the concept called double effect. That's where you're, you're, you're facing two situations. Uh, you know, both of them bad. How do you act in such a situation? Because you could try to you know you can try to kill the embryo to save the woman's life. Killing the embryo is bad. Or you could or if you leave them alone, both of them will die. That's bad too. So what's the best way to act in such a situation? And so in order to act in such a situation, there are certain uh, certain uh, certain. Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh so- well, certain rules that have to obtain in order for it to be permissible. But number one, uh, the death of the embryo cannot be intended, but it can be foreseen. So you can act in such a way that the death of the embryo will be foreseen, but not intended. The intention here is to save the woman's life, not to re- not to kill the embryo. So you're acting in such a way that the death of the embryo is foreseen, but not intended. Also, the embryo cannot die by a direct action by the doctor. Uh, so, uh, so certain ways of resolving, for example, an ectopic pregnancy would be, out, Uh, like giving the woman methotrexate, would be a way of directly killing the embryo in order to try to save the woman's life. That would not be permissible. But what would be permissible would be, for example, a self-injectomy, where you actually go in, you remove the portion of the fallopian tube that is threatening the woman's life, uh, and then uh, the the embryo will die. Uh, that's foreseen, but not intended. You're not intending to kill the embryo. You're intending to save the woman's life. Uh, and the embryo is not dying by a direct action of the doctor. The, the The embryo will die indirectly by having the fallopian tube removed, but it will not die by a direct action from the doctor. Uh, so that would be, again, my sort of nutshell response to, are there any exceptions to, uh, to no abortions? And I would say, you know, in the early term, uh, under certain conditions, there, there would be it would be permissible to act in such a way that the embryo dies and that you save the woman's life. Okay, thank you. Um,
1: David, does that take care of the question you had?
0: Yeah, at some point, I'd like uh, Teddy's answer too. But yes, and uh, thank you, Clinton. We'll have you back on the show uh, with something slightly less hot button. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being there and thanks for standing your ground like a stud. We <laughs> appreciate it.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, again, thanks for for inviting me on. Sorry, I have to I have to take off so quickly, but uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm sure the discussion will be a really good one.
3: Great talking with you, Clinton.
2: Then. Thank you. Yep, you too. Appreciate you. Yep, you too. All
1: right, take care. You Bye. too, Teddy. Um, does David need to repeat that question, or are you with it? Uh,
3: I think the the only difference that I would have with Clinton is that. Uh, Now, I don't think that medically, for example, in an ectopic pregnancy, that there would ever be a need to do this, but because I do believe in uh, the right of self-defense, I think that uh, a physician, uh, I think that morally, there would be, uh, it would be okay to actively do something against the fetus to protect the woman um you know it doesn't have to be something indirectly done to the fetus i think you could do something purposefully to the fetus if the fetus poses um a reasonable enough threat to the woman's life but i mean it's got to be a legitimate threat like you know not not bogus stuff like
1: and changing the course of her future isn't legitimate in your view i'm sorry let me uh did you, get think, the mic where you is it easier to hear me now I'd set back from the mic a little bit
3: I think I think you just did I hear you right did you say changing the course of her future
1: right that, that's right So I'm, uh, I'm thinking
3: about threatening, like 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 the pregnancy is going to kill her and that a c-section is not going to do the trick. but most of the time I mean my from everything that I've read, there's no reason to abort. Usually a C-section should should do the trick. So, but I, I'm just saying, but let's just say <laughs> hypothetically, if a C-section won't do the trick um, and, and there, there has to be something done to the fetus uh, for, for self-defense purposes in terms of life, I'll permit that. And I, th- I think that there, that's, you know, morally okay. But uh, not, not, I mean, we don't permit in our society, for example, uh, you know, can, can a woman uh, kill her two-year-old if if it's, you know, financially inconvenient? Can a woman kill her two-year-old if it's going to cause her problems with, with her college education or, you know... You can't, if you can't do it to a two-year-old, then you can't do it, or you shouldn't be able to do it to your unborn baby. I mean, it's, look, we talk about the importance of bodily autonomy. Look, I'm down with that. I get it. I'm a female, right? And I'm all about that. Um, and I was all about, uh, not wanting to get pregnant early on. And you know what? There are lots of ways that women can exercise bodily. And, and the ways that they can do it are, and they don't involve killing their unborn babies. Now, I mean, rape is an exception to that, but I'll get to that. Um, but the first thing is, is that uh, again, hang, rape- hang on
0: before I, so you did just say that you would give exception for rape. Is that correct?
3: No, 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 no. Okay. Well, hold on. We're talking about, I think, I think you're merging two different things.
0: I might talk- be. That's why, that's why I butted in right here.
3: Okay. Uh, it, I thought we've, I, I'm talking now about bodily autonomy in terms of ways. Okay.
0: So you don't believe that rape is an exception for divorce, uh, abortion. That That's not, that wouldn't be a.
3: No, no. Okay. That's...
0: All right. Good. That's, a, thanks for clearing that up.
3: But I, but what I'm saying is, you know, because some people say, or I mean, just, you know, most people are, are kind of like, we want women to have their right to bodily autonomy. And I'm for that, of course. Um, but the question is, is it an absolute right? And the issue is, is when you have two competing rights, so the right to life, you've got, you've got the woman's right to life, you've got the unborn baby's right to life. Whose right is more valuable? Well, they're, they're both of equal value and so, they have to both on a they're but on, on the on a moral plane unless one is threatening the other they don't have the right to, to try to cancel each other out and it's so, only in that situation
1: where might makes right. Let me ask you a question right there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a let's say we've got a it doesn't even have to be a two year old pick your age. Um, we have a child. Mm-hmm. That child is uh, going to die from kidney failure. The mother is determined to be a match, which is um, quite often the case. Relatives are more likely to be matches uh, than than strangers. So uh, does the mother have to give up a kidney to her child to save its life? No. Hmm.
3: Should the mother
1: so she has bodily autonomy in that case not to save the child
3: at that point the mother is separated now i think there's a moral duty for the mother to do that but at that point it it's not they're not combined i think that there's a moral
1: duty for the mom to do that but. So here's where we differ. So so, in large part, uh, I do think that we have some ethical responsibility. Where you and I differ is only that I believe the mother has the right to her body from the beginning, not after separation. But the difference is, is that
3: there's... There's a difference between the duty, there's a difference between trying to save somebody versus killing somebody. So when a baby- Oh no, the person's
1: going to die.
3: No, 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 but-, the,
1: but oh, I, Okay, go ahead, I see what you're saying.
3: But that's a duty to save, so it, it's it's a different thing. It, those, those aren't the same thing. Um, so when, when a baby is in your womb, and you're doing, having an abortion, you are killing that baby. If a baby, a baby in the womb. Okay. Yeah. But if, if, if somebody, if somebody has, you know, a medical problem and they need some sort of life-saving assistance, Well, then, you know, people can have the choice of whether they want to give this aid or not. And if they don't, then nature takes its course. But somebody is not, you know, plunging in the dagger, so to speak.
1: Okay.
3: There's not. You do agree
1: it's not a baby in the womb, I, I think we've got to be a little more careful about. Oh,
3: that. I think it is a baby. What it's not? Why isn't it? Why isn't it a
4: baby? Well, can I provide some facts? Because whenever Please. we, because whenever the anti-abortion, I mentioned this in my article, but uh, my post, but whenever the word baby gets around, it's in, it muddies the water. Because when people say baby, they think oh, laughing uh, baby with uh, feelings and emotions and all that. A fetus in the womb is incapable of any of that. So we're not actually talking about a baby.
3: Like baby or like an unborn. So a a term for baby pretty much.
4: So when we are talking about an abortion, we're actually talking at 99% of the board of abortions happen before the 20th week. No abortions happen after the 24th week, because as Clinton was saying, they don't abort at that point, they deliver.
3: Okay. and that, well, okay, that is such a ridiculous false distinction that I can't. Well, you
4: haven't let me finish yet. So are you going to let me finish or are you going to go on some emotional tirade
3: stuff that
4: uh, emotional tirade it is. Oh,
3: uh, that's a, that's not an abortion because it's past 24. That's, that's a delivery. Please. They're killing them. They're aborting. They are
1: oh, Teddy. Teddy
3: station Teddy. of life, which is what an abortion is. That's not a delivery.
1: That's yep. a can end. you say that the two of you might not be talking about the same thing?
3: That's playing
1: with words. Can, hold saying, on. Can you can you see? Telling can me you, Teddy. Funny. Can you see that the two of you may not be talking about the same procedure?
3: I, he, he was saying, I, I thought he, he was, said
1: delivery, you said abortion. Can you see that those two aren't the same thing?
3: I thought that's what he was talking about where he was just trying to use a euphemism.
4: No, there is no euphemism. They, uh, uh, the current medical uh, capabilities that we have makes uh, be, uh, makes infants viable at 24 weeks. So they don't Twenty- abort them at 24 weeks. they deliver them.
3: 22 weeks.
4: Well, the uh, the uh, medical
1: uh, the, expert who, the, yeah, the, medical, that medical, expert the is... medical, the medical doctor who was, who was going to appear on this show and ultimately didn't because she was afraid for her safety. Okay, well, she was
3: incorrect.
1: I, well, well I'll, I'll just have to say that I'm going to go with the OBGYN on this one.
3: Okay, well, I'm just going to say, check your facts.
5: Considering um, you never check your, your
4: facts, I, I think that's sort of hypocritical. Facts.
3: And everybody listening to me can check the internet in numerous places. Current medical technology says 22 weeks. I got 24. 22 so, weeks. Because the first thing okay. I did was check her facts.
1: Okay. Well, she- I, yeah. I am going to go with the uh, OBGYN on this one. And not your internet search, she sorry.
3: is one, maybe she is, maybe she isn't.
1: Okay, right, so. and and maybe your internet search was good and maybe it wasn't. We I can play that game all day long.
3: In numerous articles.
4: Well, the reality is that uh, 99% of all abortions happen before 20 weeks. So do you know when uh, the brain actually is capable of feeling emotions and having thoughts? The very, very minimum
3: none of that's relevant to me it
4: is relevant because it's 36 it's right minutes. It may not uh, it's not relevant to
1: teddy
3: no it's not it, it's about robbing robbing a human of the ability to experience life on earth that's what it's about you so are- you
4: think experiencing life is in heaven is worse than experiencing life on oh, earth
3: And and see, you are trying to, let's get back to your opening statement where you were trying to say, oh, like we're trying to avoid the heaven and hell thing. No, Darren, we're just trying to- Your
4: entire argument is devoid of any belief in heaven or hell.
3: With atheists, and if we start arguing God, you're going to say- you know, you, you're going to argue God when you got to first prove that existed. We're, we're trying to make secular arguments to appeal to godless atheists, too. Right.
4: Well, and other Christians. As as
3: possible. Okay, well, because I can easily say... Oh. You shouldn't slaughter your baby because it was created in the image of God and to slaughter your baby, you disrespect God because that baby is formed to the I'm
4: end. not. I don't care if I disrespect a fantasy God.
1: Okay, um, control room. David Johnson, so, I need you to do me a favor, David. So
4: David. I, I need you
1: to do me a favor and put everyone on the channel on mute for five seconds. I have a question to ask. And I need five seconds of silence. So if you'll put everyone on mute, I'd appreciate it. Tell me when it's done.
0: Since I don't have a one-click mute button, I'm just going to ask everyone to uh, stay muted for uh, a uh, a
5: little bit.
1: Everyone go on mute. Five seconds, I've got a question. There's supposed to be a God in this conversation. This God is supposed to be exercising moral judgment about what humans are doing with their own bodies. This God is supposed to have an opinion, a quite strong opinion, one that should matter to this conversation. Uh, That God usually has a cosmic mute button, seems to be quiet, but if there's a God out there that cares about this particular conversation, it is time for you to speak up. You have five seconds to find your mute button, turn it off, and give your opinion. The clock starts now.
3: I'm sorry. Were you calling on actually God to come in and comment on the conversation, or were you talking about us to bring in the subject
1: of... Five seconds of silence, please. Christian God, here's your opportunity. Five seconds of silence. Okay, good enough. Yeah. So whatever this God may or may not think,
4: not willing to speak up here. Obviously doesn't care enough about it to speak up. So why should you care?
3: To y'all. Oh,
1: so, but he's talking to you.
3: I'm just saying.
1: Is he talking to you?
3: Is God talking to me right now? No,
4: I mean. Have you read his diary? Do you know what he thinks about every little thing? Are you sure that he's against abortion, considering that two-thirds of pregnancies end in a miscarriage?
3: I am. I am because I have seen where God, uh, you know, under Mosaic law, and I'm, I'm not quite sure. Whether- you mean under
4: Mosaic law where he sent bears to kill children, drowned I'm an entire world, brother, killed firstborn I'm sons, not- uh, I'm not- had uh, firstborn born sacrifice God. to him that god
3: i'm not sure i i know that um god wants the death penalty for murderers
1: in and tr- people
4: that pick up sticks on his Sunday. Um, okay
1: uh once again control room five seconds of silence christian god do you want the death penalty for anyone five seconds find your cosmic mute button okay
3: andrew let's come on
1: no i'm not Look, I am tired of people saying what God wants. If God wants something, He can speak up. You you were a Christian for
3: long enough, so unless you— Yes,
1: I was damn sure a Christian for long enough.
3: Unless you were just crazy for that many years. But you know what? If you were, if your judgment was skewed for that many years into your adult years, because you were. Still. Teddy, is God
1: talking to you right
3: now? No, God is not talking
4: to okay. me. Then why are you talking for God?
3: I, I don't. I'm not. I'm talking for
1: myself.
4: So let's,
1: let's. You uh, have said repeatedly, God wants. I'm,
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in here Please. just a moment to create a little bit of listenable content. Um, so there is a question on the table, and Teddy, I know that uh theology is not. Uh, not your strongest subject, but I think that, and I, I don't mean that in a, uh, in a mean way, it's just not fair to ask you to carry the theological water on this stuff. So I, I don't expect that, but I do think that there is a fair conversation, uh, and so let's see if we can have it with some hint of dignity uh, and some hint of brevity, uh, since we know that there's no one to on, on the other side to argue it. So, Teddy, uh, it's okay for you to make a christian argument sometimes and uh it's because you're not a secularist and you're not and you're not going to ever make the great secularist argument but i i care personally about what the christian argument is and i don't want to see christians hiding the argument because they think that atheists are going to make fun of it. Of course they are. we're 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 godless atheists. we're we're servants of Satan. We already know that. but we we need to know what the Christian argument is so that we're not arguing against straw men. And so I just I just want you, if you don't mind, to take a moment and tell us really why Christians uh, why you think Christians should be against abortion because the fact is, Uh, Most Christians are not against abortion in this country.
3: I just did. In the Bible tells us every human is created in the image of God. And as a result, that is what gives us value because we are created in his image. And that is why God said that for somebody who takes a life intentionally for for murder, that person gets the death penalty.
0: Okay, so you do believe that abortion is murder. I, I'm, I'm getting that from you.
3: I
5: do. I okay, mean,
0: that's did... that's that's fine. And do you do you believe that God does uh, that that God kills infants in the womb?
3: I think that what God does, I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to. I don't even. What God does is what God does. Okay, well then, would
0: you would you say it's okay if God kills infants in the womb?
3: Whatever God God is the person who creates what the moral structure is. I'm right. not questioning whatever whatever God does, God does.
0: And I'm I'm not I'm not asking you to defend or not defend it. I'm really just trying to get your position. So your position is that God, because I want to I want to at least make sure that we're arguing apples to apples. My, my position is that God, if he exists, does more abortions than uh, the most ambitious uh, uh, abortionist uh, in the form of miscarriages. But, um, but you would say, and once again, I'm not trying to straw man you, I'm just trying to understand the position. You would say, but God has a right to kill those babies.
3: But God doesn't have to play by rules. God. Okay. Rulemaker and so, the freezer
0: for us. That's 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 fine. Um just just one or two so it's it's murder if we do it. Uh it's a violation of the astronaut to kill, but it's not murder if God does it. Uh because God's God and he has a right to do what he wants in the human realm. Well, I mean, um is that is that a fair is that a fair assessment of how you see this?
3: I I believe that's how it works. I mean, those are for... But there's a different
1: problem here. When, When put directly to the question, you said, God does what God does. The whole point of me having a moment of silence to let the Christian God speak up was actually to be able to determine in some meaningful way, what God does. When you you say God does what God does, what you're inviting is to simply pick and choose from the range of outcomes, the thing that you think God wanted. If that's not what you're doing, no. It is your, if that's not what you're doing, it's your responsibility to be able to demonstrate no, that, what God does no. and when he does it. You're, I would have to be above God to be. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would I do not, know. I do not have to be an astronomer to use a telescope.
5: Okay. I don't
1: have to be a mathematician to evaluate whether a problem is correct.
3: I, I do. I am
1: asking you to be able to say, you, you, with you, some clear means of determination,
3: mind what
1: God does. I, I cannot
3: even see God. How would I know what God does?
4: I think that's a Molinist. drop the
1: mic moment, boys and girls. I am going to take a break. <laughs> yeah,
4: well, another problem you have is the Molinist position. Because if the modus is right, and God's position is to get as many souls as possible to heaven, then you are actively defying your God every time you stop an abortion. Because the more abortions there are, the more souls are going to heaven.
3: Darren, the problem with your position on that is that God has put earth here because he wants us to experience earth. Okay. Well, You don't
4: know that though. That's your opinion, but that you don't actually know that. He
3: put earth here because he wants us to experience earth. No, he gave except
0: for the miscarriages.
3: He gave us free will. Now he can see what's going to happen and what we're gonna do with our free will, but he doesn't get in the way of our free will.
0: But you would agree that that, his miscarriages aren't free will, right? That's just that's that's God acting in
3: that's just nature. That's okay. nature.
0: right.
4: And it's worth noting that uh, miscarriages take up two thirds of pregnancies, just to put that out there.
3: I mean, that's probably about right. I mean, I know they're a high number. Sure. So, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that.
4: Right. So, there is no way that a human abortionist can be more prolific an abortionist than God is. And you're, you're claiming that the human is somehow immoral by doing that. But but, but I mean, imagine that there actually is a God. Aaron, is there, From is, his perspective, uh, people, whether they're on earth or heaven, does that really matter to him? I mean, why should it matter?
3: Is, is Are we talking about apples to apples if somebody has a heart attack versus if I stab somebody in the heart? Are those equivalents or, or, or equivalent things? Of course not. One so is the, a-
4: the apples to apples would be if God... Stabs uh, the the person in the heart, or whether a human stabs the person in the heart.
3: No, that would be
4: the apples to apples.
3: Natural occurrence,
4: right? And the natural occurrences are caused by and, God. And, and
3: let's pretend we're, hey, you know, Darren, you're an atheist. You don't believe in God, but do you believe in heart attacks? Sure, you do. So take God out of the equation. You see that there is such a thing as heart attacks, right? So you know that a heart attack happens. And you also know that sometimes people get stabbed in the heart. Are those two different things? Yes, they are.
4: When you take the God out of it. Sure. But not when you uh, put the God back in.
3: Okay. But my point is, those are two different things.
4: Only if God is removed from the equation.
3: So a miscarriage is a completely different thing from an abortionist going in.
4: Only if you pretend there's no God.
3: And doing a DNC and sucking out and dismembering. And yeah, I'm-
4: that doesn't happen. Not very often. Not very often. Ninety-nine 90- percent of the oh, abortions don't actually do that.
3: No, those 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 abortions that are all happening early on, those babies are being dismembered when they're sucked out.
0: Do you have any idea how awful a miscarriage is? I mean, I I don't I don't mean to get uh, overly personal, but I've uh you know I've been I've been married to women, and they're pretty bad. And it sounds like you're saying, well, yeah, but God's abortions aren't bad, but um, they are bad. They're they're psychologically bruising.
4: Yeah, my mom had an abortion. She had a hard time with that. not an abortion, but a miscarriage, two of them.
3: Another thing, too, that people do not take into consideration. Our culture has made it sound like oh, you know, it's your choice. It's your choice.
4: You mean the and culture that's they're like 85% making, Christian?
3: You're making it seem like, oh, you know, like it's not a big deal. And there are a lot of women who, who have a lot of psychological pain because... Yep.
4: And, and 85% of women after five years feel relief after having an abortion, even the okay. ones that had a lot of problems to begin with.
3: There are a lot of women that... Let just, me
1: let me put this to rest there's a there's an issue that we do need to talk about here and that is the issue of counseling now the reason that's important here is because what we want to know when a woman goes in for an abortion is what sort of counseling she should get because many red states are requiring counseling now for young women, or, or women of childbearing age, to have counseling, sometimes as, uh, sometimes multiple sessions of counseling, and to wait on the abortion before they're allowed to have it. Now, on April 11th, in the journal Social Science and Medicine, there was a study released. It's the largest study of its kind, about 1,000 women, trapped over 21 states in the United States. They were tracked for five years. There were 11 interviews for each participant, one at the one-week mark and 10 more at at equal six-month marks. And they were asked a a range of questions. Again, this is uh, April 11th, the April issue of Social Science and Medicine. For anybody that wants to look the study up, go to your local library. It's a peer-reviewed academic journal, so you're probably not going to be able to get it online. You'd have to get behind the paywall go to your library, 84% of women reported having positive feelings about their abortion five years further on. 10% of women were neutral, and 6% reported having negative feelings. However, Over 70% of those women, apologies for not remembering the exact number and not having the journal article in front of me, but over 70% of them were afraid of social isolation if their abortion became known. It is a myth, capital M, that women have some overwhelmingly negative response to abortion.
3: I don't believe. No, you
1: don't have to you don't, I don't you don't have to trust me. I have given clear instructions for the listeners. I strongly encourage you to look it up and and I will say this. I don't have a problem with counseling women about abortion. It's got to be a serious decision. However, we should be fair about how this study affects the conclusions regarding abortion. And this is not the only study of its kind. It's not near the only study. So, Tandy, well, I don't care whether you believe it. I'm not asking you to. Well, I am I, instructing the listeners on how to get to the information.
3: I will just have to question the, the character of anybody that, that does that and has no feelings about that.
1: I question your character questioning your character. No.
4: no. You can be as judgy as you like. And that's why most most of those women have problems coming out about it, because people like you.
1: No.
3: No. To not feel bad about that. No, it's one thing to feel bad and then to repent and to then be forgiven.
1: What do you mean, repent?
3: To to acknowledge that somebody has done something wrong. And
1: repent is a religious
4: word.
3: Well, I know that.
4: And you still haven't demonstrated it's actually wrong.
3: So then if somebody is not religious, then to just acknowledge, you know, whatever. And I don't know with, uh, do something in order to make amends or, or,
4: well, the problem is, is if you actually believe in heaven and hell, then there are no amends to make. Yes, there because are. Because you, guarantee, you guaranteed a, a person's spot in heaven. Earth.
3: There is still this earth, okay? So no? it's not just about having a quick, you know... Uh,
4: so you would rather they be tortured for all eternity in hell? I'm sorry? You'd rather they be tortured for all eternity in hell? And then,
3: you know what? God gave us free will...
4: Well, I'm not asking for you to excuse your repugnant God. I'm asking you: Do you believe it's better to be repug- tortured for all eternity in hell than to spend eternity in heaven?
3: No, God gave us the opportunity to have the experience on Earth and to exercise our free will. That
4: doesn't answer the God. question. Do you think it's better to burn forever in hell or to be in heaven forever?
3: A person has their choice. God does not. Okay,
4: so. So you you obviously think it's better to be in heaven. You're just avoiding the question because you know it uh, completely torpedoes your position. When
3: You choose to choose, you know, whatever you choose. That's your choice. So, you know, your-
1: wasn't questioning choice. He was questioning which outcome was best. So let me
0: let me let me step in one more time and provide just a brief intermission uh, for the combatants to catch their breath. Um, as everyone knows, I I care about the theological side and I don't have anyone on the show to debate theology with. So, uh, some of you theological wonks out there uh who want to take this uh toward the theological, I'll be around uh, this week's gifts and seekers. dot uh just into the comments, sign in to discuss. We'll uh we'll have that. But I I just want to offer my drop the mic moment. Uh, on the theological side, and I'll I'll let these guys get back to um, the battle. um Although they all seem to be a bit punch drunk right now, I mean they're all holding maces and their arms are having trouble lifting them to beat each other over the head with at this point, which is somewhat amusing. Jealous. That's jealous. <laughs> that said, I just I'm just gonna come in on the theology. Um, the idea that God is against abortions. So, I must say that when I was a Christian, because everyone always says, well, "What did you think when you were a Christian?" I honestly didn't think about this subject at all when I was a Christian, okay? So that's that's because I was surrounded by people who didn't talk about abortion anyway. So, it's not like we talked about abortion every week. That's not that wasn't that wasn't our big thing. So, I didn't think about it, but if I were just putting it together from my Bible reading, I would have said God is does not have a position on abortion one way or the other, as an atheist though I wouldn't even spare God's feelings that much. God loves abortion God is in favor of abortion. come at me bros numbers chapter
3: five
0: I love the, I love the Bible so much hang on teddy I know you've never written you've never heard of this passage but here we here we go numbers chapter five verse eleven um I wish. I wish Clinton were here, so that I could have given this to him. Chapter, chapter eleven, verse sixteen. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the priests. So this is. I'm actually truncating this passage. So if you want to accuse me of, uh, you know, taking it out of context, you can. Uh, it's a it's a long reading. This is, uh, the the remedy of a jealous husband. If a if a husband suspects that his wife has been cheating on him. uh, And she's pregnant. Uh, So yes, because God cares about this sort of thing. And there was a way that if the husband was just suspicious of it and jealous, he could take it to the priest. And there's this very, very sane, very, very fair, very, very scientific way of telling whether she cheated or not. So verse 16, the priest shall bring her And have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a um, in a clay jar and put some dust from the uh, tabernacle floor on the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before uh, the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy. This has a point, just bear with me. Uh, While he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, if no other man has had sexual relations with you and you have not gone astray, and become impure while married to your husband. May this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here uh, the priest is to put the woman under the curse may the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell may this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells of your womb miss uh, or your womb miscarries um, so that's the end of this very um, lengthy, barbaric um, <laughs> reading of the um, is very it's laid out very clear. It's very plain that one of the exceptions to abortion, if God doesn't like abortion at all, is, you know, if you cheat on your husband, well, we'll kill the thing then, we'll kill it under those circumstances. God God loves abortion. <laughs> he's, he's okay with it. Um, he uses it as a punishment. Uh, I could I could have chosen another passage where God uses uh, the the death of a baby as a punishment. He's okay with this stuff, and I don't understand why Christians get bent out of shape. So I'm not asking you to respond to this, Teddy. But any any uh, theological wonks who want to go a few rounds in the ring with me in the comments, go for it. I turn the melee back over to the participants after you have caught your breath now. Intermission
4: yeah. over <laughs> I do not I d I don't I don't understand why Christians but are against it either considering they supposedly believe uh, in heaven.
3: But you have to just kind of David Yeah you know, distinguish between that between which God does and what we do. You know so Right, but you so do acknowledge, acknowledge that God that is
0: God is using what God does. God is you using a priest to make a woman to, abort. That's God, that's what it is. God is God is using a priest to give a woman poison to make God her abort.
3: Whatever he wants. He is the creator of everything. Okay,
0: so but, so but you're saying that abortion, God is against abortion. He's not um, against abortion.
1: Hold, hold God is let, against let
3: just, us committing tating. abortions because we are created in His image, and so we must respect each other because. When we kill each other, disrespect.
1: Him. But
0: we're only a creating this oh, image oh gosh, if the w- if the wife hasn't cheated on her husband. If it's not a cheat baby, oh, then.
1: Oh, Teddy, <laughs> would you say? Would you say? That this this would be something that Dale would say. Um, I, so I don't I don't think I would be taking him out of context here. I don't think I'd be misattributing misattributing to it. Would you say that if God spoke directly to a woman who was pregnant? and said, you should abort that child. That child is not of me, it's of Satan, or whatever he says to her. I don't, actually, I don't actually care what it might be. Would you say that she is in the right to abort the child if God tells her to? I'm just curious. It, it seems like you're saying God can, God can do anything, doesn't it? So, so if she's in late trimester uh if she's in her third trimester and god says uh uh hey jan um you should abort that
3: child dale abraham challenge to me thank you so much
1: no i'm not not actually trying to shovel (laughs) that baggage onto you i'm I'm asking you a legitimate question do you think
3: what you've done is just you just done that
4: well, that's a legitimate <laughs> question
1: well, i I admit that that had the um I admit that that had the undesirable
4: effect <laughs> well it's <laughs> a legitimate <laughs> question given his position
3: well it, it was precisely done I mean how could it be anything but that?
4: okay but you do you
0: are in agreement then that the passage in numbers when the priest d- d- performs an abortion that that's okay oh,
1: because I, that was I still, I that was know, God this, right is that the get out of jail free card, <laughs> Teddy? Can she say God wanted me to?
3: Here's here's what I'm going to say. You know what? I'm going to answer your question.
1: I'm not being ugly. I, I really I'm really answering the
3: question, and it's actually going to be different from what Dale said that. I would have failed the test that Abraham would have passed. Good for you. But but I've got I've got a reason to because I mean I've I've got a broader understanding of just diff- different di- biblical principles that perhaps Abraham didn't have the benefit of, but. Um, you know sometimes they talk about how uh if you want to know if certain signs are from god are or are from the devil you look to see whether the results would give glory to god or not well, well okay and i would sure. argue that if somebody is getting a message to kill their baby and given that that baby is created in the image of god that that message is not giving glory to god no
1: no, i I specifically said i specifically said that god says that this baby is not his it's a it's a satan baby or or whatever
3: look how does the woman know for a hundred percent certainty who the message is coming from i agree Okay, so listen. So
4: Which so- completely undermines your point, Teddy. That's <laughs> <Not> the
5: answer. <laughs> well,
0: I for one like your t- answer, Teddy, and I don't care why you would defy God in that situation. I don't care how what mental gymnastics you use. The fact is, you would do the right thing, and um, I I appreciate but, that. But that's
1: actually that's actually the point I think that has to be drawn out here is that we don't care overly much. And and Darren has, or David, maybe it was you, pointed out just how much of our society is Christian and that much of that population is pro-choice. The truth is we don't particularly care um, what the Bible says. And none of us, as has been, Demonstrated many of them pretty easily here. Nobody actually knows whether there's a God and what it thinks. And if, if they do, it's certainly not clear because the Christian position on abortion is all over the map. And as far as I can tell, the only sensible position is to say that no one has the right to use another person's body
5: without their permission. Okay, but Andrew, here's the thing.
3: When, I mean, a woman's body is naturally designed. I mean, that is nature. I don't
1: agree that it's naturally designed. I don't agree that there's design.
3: It it, it is designed. A man's body is... If
1: if it is designed, Uh, it's designed to miscarriage two-thirds of the time. (laughs)
3: Look, can you carry a baby? Can any of you guys carry babies? No. The,
1: the word the word that I am objecting to. A car. Is the, a car the word is, that I am objecting to is the word design.
3: Okay, but you know what? Cars are designed, but they're not designed by God, but they're still designed. Bridges are designed. Houses are designed.
4: Okay. Well, your, right. your God designed the human body to miscarriage two thirds of the time.
3: Okay. So what? Okay. Look things are designed they don't have to he be-
4: obviously can't be that uh, perturbed about it if he designed the body to do it
3: you're changing the subject i'm talking about
1: teddy you've got to prove that god did anything you said you don't know what god does and does let's
0: let's give teddy a little bit of leeway to um,
3: absurd to the female body of of animals is designed to reproduce. I mean, to, or to carry. Uh, well, now I think the seahorse wasn't the seahorse.
1: There, there, there are plenty of
3: well, whatever. Plenty of I mean, I mean, let's just talk about humans, all right? Um, in most animals, it's
4: the oh, you'd, be, you'd be okay saying mammals, probably.
3: Okay, so yeah. so it is designed, whether it be by nature or God or whomever. Now you just can't get around that, that, you know, it is, or it isn't, and we know that it is. So, just like we can't help getting older, it just happens. And that's the situation, we have to just deal with it. So, when, when certain things happen, like sex, when people assume the risk of sex, and let's not get back into that whole thing, but a woman gets pregnant, you know, one way or in another or another then there's the question of of, of 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 she's got a right to life the baby's got a right to life you've got two competing rights now having a baby when you don't want one and not i mean i'm not going to say look i've been pregnant so can it uh, hamper your lifestyle a bit? Well, you know, yeah, a bit. Not that much.
5: Um
4: different um, might- privilege there. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. That's,
5: that's, that that's, was, that's,
1: wow. That's <laughs> why it's just, wow. just let her yeah, say I mean, If
3: somebody's <laughs> got violent morning sickness all the time, well then, that's not the typical. Sorry, I've got
1: to go on mute.
3: Time. You know, horrible, horrible morning sickness. Most of the time, most women have it to some degree in the first trimester, and then usually the second trimester is not. Usually, it goes away, and then third trimester, some women get it just a little bit. Some women have it just horribly, um, but in general, you know, it's not like you're stuck in a prison. But but yeah, you know, it's nine months. It's a finite period. So is it an inconvenience? Okay. You know, some people might think so. Some people love, some women love being pregnant. Um, Can it completely derail your plans? Would it be devastating to, to some women to have an unplanned pregnancy, especially when they're young? And by the way, a lot, a substantial number of pregnancies occur in women who already have one or more children. And some of these women are not young at all. And some of these women are quite a bit older. So it's not all these little just teenagers that are, you know, too stupid to know about contraception, um, oh. but or too reckless. So um, the thing is, is that, yes. you know, the thing is about bodily autonomy is that women have control over whether to have sex and then if they choose to have sex contraception and then the woman herself can use multiple forms of contraception she can use an iud she can use implants uh, in her arm, um, she could she can get her
1: tubes tied. Um, folks, this it, is this is medical advice. Not no, sorry, Teddy, I'm going to interrupt you. This is not a show where there is a medical professional, and nothing about your contraceptive measures. None of that. There's, none of this is medical advice. And whatever you choose to do in regard to your reproductive health, you should do it in consultation with your physician. This is not medical advice.
4: And I'd also like to uh, comment on this whole design thing. So let's pretend that so Teddy's bef- right.
0: Before you do, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put the marker down here, and uh, Darren will get the mic. But, but um, this. I'm, just, but, 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 um,
3: an important point. But, 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 but but, 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 but i am
0: going to i am simply going to say that you should start pulling out your best arguments uh so over the next few minutes if you if you've got any if you've got anything in the bag this is for all the participants uh now's the time to take it out um, and we will give you a few rounds with your best stuff and go to closing statements darren
4: I was just going to say, let's pretend that Teddy's correct and God designed uh, the uh, female body to be pregnant. So this is what he's designed into his uh, design. One, that two-thirds of pregnancy would end in miscarriage. Two, that in um, about 808 women die from pregnancy and childbirth related causes every day. This is the design that her God supposedly created
3: in places where there's not good health care, not in America.
4: No, it's in America.
3: No, not in America. It's shown. Yeah. In- no, no. Where?
4: Uh, according to the United Nations Population Fund, uh, 19, 2017 report. About one one woman every two minutes, and for every woman who dies, 20 or 30 encounter complications with serious or long-lasting consequences. That is not true. Both of the deaths and uh, injuries are entirely preventable. Not true. Teddy, would it be better if it happened in one of those shithole countries?
3: No, it
5: wouldn't
4: be. I mean, I don't understand. And (laughs) this is using modern medicine to do this. Back (laughs) when, back. uh, I was quoting some uh, people, okay? I don't.
3: (laughs) Fake facts. facts.
4: Yeah, uh, worldwide, it's about 303,000 women die of pregnancy or childbirth related causes.
3: Well, sure, because, and, and how many people are dying of hunger? I mean, there are people dying. There are tragedies.
4: Well, this happening. is the this is the design your God chose. Okay. So geez. if you, if we are going to take your claim that God. Uh, designed you know this then this is what this is what oh, he designed if we are going to take you seriously this is what your god designed
3: design and, and you know your attempt to poison the well doesn't change the fact that it, the body is designed so you can argue whatever you want because you know you're on the losing okay. end of that argument. hold
4: on hold so on your,
1: your hold attempt- on okay so there. now the body hold isn't on. designed
4: okay Guys,
1: uh, to people, change the people stuff. listen for a second there's an important issue here You can't answer this. Hold on. Just let me me draw out the issue that needs to be addressed. Whether, Whether the human body is a result of natural evolution or whether it is the result of some divine creation invites the importation of Christian ethics versus humanist ethics. And to simply say that it doesn't matter whether it's evolution or uh, or some Christian God that did it is the thing that is allowing you, Teddy, to say, oh, it doesn't matter how it was done. This is what you're stuck with. But that is not, in fact, the case. It does matter whether there's a divine spark or whether there's not.
3: The answer is, is that... Um... A professor of mine, uh, Dr. Robert Kane, I, I'll never forget. I it had to do um, with the question of uh, whether God has always existed. It was a philosophy class, and then the topic of religion had come up, and uh, and it was just so hard for me to the concept of something always existing. And I, uh, after class, I went and asked him a question about that. And he said, you know, sometimes we have to realize that there just might be certain concepts we will just never in our capacity as humans just be able to understand. Uh, and and as much as that wasn't an answer, it, it was an answer and I'm like, you know, there's something to that. What makes us think that we will that we can understand all that there is to understand?
1: We uh, can't live by concepts we don't understand,
4: right? And if your and if your case is that God is uh, wants something, and yet His design clearly clearly shows that you're wrong about what He wants, then that is relevance.
3: No, I think there's going to be something. Sometimes we have to have the wisdom to understand that. There are going to be things that we don't understand and don't.
1: Annie, can you live by a principle that you don't understand?
3: It's not living by that principle. I'm living by lots of principles that I do understand. But what I'm saying is, is that there are other things that I don't have the
1: answer to. There, I, I'm not going then to. Then you shouldn't to... act as if you do. The question: I have. Huh? If if there is a question to which you don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Then you can't proceed as if you do have an answer.
3: Right. I mean, I, I agree, but but okay. you, that, But you don't you don't have to have an answer for everything in order to do something. Otherwise, sure. we would all just be stuck in a corner and and not do anything and that right, but you're die. making a lot of
4: claims here that you when pushed to it you finally you at the very bottom you say you don't understand
3: no i know that's what i'm saying is it, it, i'm sorry darren do you somehow think you have an answer for everything
4: i'm not the one that's claiming to uh, know the mind of god so
3: you question. do you have do you have an answer for everything i yes. never claim to nope nobody does so my point is no 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 per- no single person does and the person that says that they do they're an idiot okay. right but you're making if an if
0: awful your awful lot of claim claims about god, god if your claim is that god is against abortion which is you know i was asking earlier to get I mean, to the I mean, christian I mean, position god, no, if that's okay, if that's, well, your that's your claim
3: okay first of all that's not my claim my claim is that the rules for humans okay is that we are prohibited from taking Lives that are innocent.
0: God that's told God us, us how to, to do that. There's he told water. us how to do it with the with the bitter waters and things. So I'm once again. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat you up over stuff that's. I'm not trying to beat you up over stuff that you haven't studied. But <laughs> you, it does sound like your case is that God has a design for us and He wants us to follow certain rules. And I am challenging the very as a as a theist. I'm putting yeah. on my theist hat and uh, joining other Christians in this argument. This is not an atheist Christian argument. Christians would agree with me. God is not against abortion in the way you're saying he is. That is you're misrepresenting your God.
3: But David, this whole argument is disingenuous because you are an atheist. And and
0: Right, but I'm telling you I can argue with you as a Christian better than you can argue with me as an atheist. And there and there are there are Christians who would agree with me. Uh the the Bible seems to agree with me I'd be glad to talk about that but if you're saying if you're saying that we can't know the will of God we, we can't know whether God is against abortion or not then I don't understand what the Christian is
5: arguing know,
3: because we know in in Genesis where God has said that you know he he says that the government should issue the death penalty for people that kill.
0: Yeah, and for we'll, people that we'll pick up sticks on his favorite day. We'll, we'll be talking about the death penalty next week. So I'll, I'll ask you to hold of your that, water there. <laughs>
3: that included situations with women that are pregnant. So he considered the unborn baby to be a human.
4: Really? Did he do that when he drowned the entire world? Well,. How about, how about when he killed God. all the firstborn in Egypt?
1: Again.
4: How about when he uh, told all his soldiers to kill the How about man? when he
1: allowed Cain Aaron, to, to kill
3: him? God does not... You forget.
4: No, I don't forget. Yes,
3: you do. Okay, then you're just playing games. Then you're intentionally trying to deceive then if you haven't forgotten.
4: No, I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy of your position. How I incoherent see, it is.
3: I have repeatedly said God
1: has made those rules for us. Those don't Eddie, apply to Eddie, you haven't been able to, look, I put you to this and you said, God does what God does. And you haven't been able to say with any clarity what rules God made and what rules he didn't make. And okay. in fact, and, and in fact, you even said that if God told a woman, to take the life of, of a fetus, to, to have an abortion, she shouldn't take his advice. And, and then you said, but you can't even be sure.
3: I'm saying, I'm saying that, that, that that voice woman,
1: was God.
3: I am saying that that woman has to roll the dice to figure out whether that's really God or whether that's.
1: And I'm saying she doesn't that, need to roll dice.
3: Whether that's no. Satan telling her that
0: okay so starting starting to wrap up
3: uh but let's get back uh, to my bodily autonomy because that's an interesting point and that's,
0: that's fine is this is your is this your is this your best um point to start winding down on i see because I, I want you to i want you to have your best your best opportunity and wow. uh, it's it perfectly okay to step away from the theological stuff I have already acknowledged that there are, you know i can't i can't argue that here i put that out there for the uh, listeners and the commenters so don't get dragged down that road i i don't want to see you do that that's not going to help you but bring bring out your bring out what you are strong with so that we can start the wrap up uh darren uh, uh andrew just just kind of start zeroing in on the the one question you have for the other person the thing that you want to hear answered it will
3: start winding it up. So, so again, you know, we keep talking and keep hearing about a woman's right to choose. Well, the right to choose—that's that's implying that we've got this absolute right to bodily autonomy, and it, and and that right to bodily autonomy is not absolute. It it stops <clears throat> at the moment that that starts to impact someone else. And when you have two competing rights that are the same uh, nature, so when you have a right to life that goes up against someone else's right to life, then there's the question of, is one right to life infringing upon the other? And then that triggers the right to self-defense that I mentioned. But if it's a right to life, Versus, so you've got the the unborn baby's right to life versus a woman's liberty, like she doesn't want to be pregnant because it's going to be either a financial hardship or um, she doesn't want it'll derail her her you know her college experience things like that. I mean, I understand that. I certainly I I delayed pregnancy for quite a while. I mean that I, I mean that would have been absolutely horrifying to me I can guarantee you and you know what I made sure that I did not get pregnant because I can tell you I was very firmly and have always been firmly pro-life and there was just no way that I was going to have an abortion and then there was no way That I was going to get pregnant. And so I took measures. I was like, you know, and so the ways that we women can make sure uh, barring rape, I mean, that that's a different story than that's somebody overcoming your will. But you can choose to not have sex. You can, or if you choose to have sex, well, you're taking some risk if you have sex, because as soon as you start to have sex, there's the possibility of pregnancy. Now, if anybody says that there's not the possibility of pregnancy with sex, I'm sorry. There's a lack of brain cells going on there. If you have sex, there's the possibility of pregnancy. So you can, if you're gonna gamble with that, you can try to, to lower your risk by contraception. You can try to further lower the risk by several types of contraception for the woman. Then maybe say to the boyfriend or the husband, okay, no, you, you know, put, put something on too. Um, and then, then there's the other issue which triggers another constitutional thing, the second amendment, the right to bear arms, the right to self-defense. And that's where another important thing is in in terms of our country that the left is trying to get rid of and that's the right to bear arms and that is
4: Yeah, that's not females, true.
3: Females females tend to be smaller and weaker than males. And when women don't have the right to bear arms, guess who gets the short end of that stick? Guess who gets put down for all of those years when we didn't have the right to vote, when we were downtrodden. And in so many countries, and in women, and all of the women that are still getting pummeled by their husbands in this country and throughout the world. But imagine how it would be if each one of those women had a firearm right on them. Then we'll see how many men beat up on them.
0: So that'll be that'll probably be some of next week's discussion. You'll be surprised at how many people might agree with you there, Teddy. Oh. So, did anyone want to respond to the? Um, did anyone want to respond to the bodily autonomy um, Wait a minute.
5: bit there?
3: On. So, when we want to to say that that women to help with their bodily autonomy, these same leftists, oh, we want. We want to abort a kid. How about, you know, if you want to be so sure that you have your bodily autonomy, how about you, you, you know, pack some heat instead of killing an unborn baby? You know, have have a firearm or or have a taser on you or have some mace or something else. In, so
4: you're in- saying we can shoot fetuses? I'm sorry? You're saying we can shoot fetuses?
3: No, oh, I said that you can shoot a rapist if somebody's going to, if, if you think somebody's about to rape you. So uh, that's what I'm saying, self-defense. So I'm just saying, women, I'm all about females being empowered, but I'm not about females killing their unborn babies because they have a right to life too. They have a right to experience all that we are experiencing, because see, that is the hypocrisy. All of us, we are experiencing life. None of us have committed suicide because we're here. And we all get to enjoy the fact that our mothers didn't abort us. And so how lucky we are. It's like all the white people that were so lucky that they weren't born black back during slave times. And it's like, oh, they're so lucky. But think about all those black people that weren't so lucky.
4: How right. did they- think about all those women you're taking those rights away from?
3: No, I'm not taking anybody's rights away. I'm trying to give rights to everybody. It is y'all, y'all are the ones that are trying to create subhumans that don't matter. I mean, it's like-
4: I it's- know, upholding a woman's right to her own body is so creating a subhuman. I'm, I feel so bad about that, it's just ridiculous to
3: define people out of their humanity. I mean, Hitler was calling the Jews vermin.
4: I mean. And you're calling women who have abortions murderers. What's the point?
3: No, I am saying, and and what I am saying is you got to stop the killing. People have a right to life.
4: well except under your theology abortion doesn't
3: doesn't remove the right to life stop the killing stop the killing it is inhumane look at what these people are doing these babies are being dismembered
4: well no but the question is is uh what right to life does uh why how is an abortion under the christian religion taking away a right to life when the baby goes to heaven it's not—it's not removing the right to life of the baby. It's just removing the right to the uterus. I mean, the the baby will just have to settle for life in heaven, right?
5: This is sick.
3: And there will be a day we talk about the Germans. In Nazi Germany, that stood by and did nothing. We talk about that.
1: We talk about the white people. That I mean, these are false equivalents. And
0: did that, that's okay.
1: And here we are. And because
3: we do not see them, we pay no attention because we don't see them. But they're still there. And they're still being robbed of their opportunity. They're still being robbed.
4: Well, except under your theology, they aren't.
3: No, I'm not bringing theology. I am bringing in humanity. And when at the Nuremberg trials,
4: yeah, well, when, that's why I said Christians don't actually believe in heaven and hell when they start talking about abortion.
3: At the Nuremberg trials, when it was all about, oh, well, our society said that it was okay to treat Jews.
4: Right, and you're saying it's okay to treat women to, the same way.
3: To kill them because they didn't matter. They weren't persons.
4: Right, and you're saying women aren't persons because they don't have the right to their own body.
3: Hey, what about all those women that are being killed in the womb? Well,
4: they, what about all those women that are dying in childbirth?
3: They're not dying in childbirth in America. They're dying in So it's
4: childbirth. okay. So it's okay if they die in childbirth somewhere else, but it
3: They are dying in the womb because abortionists are killing them
0: okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna step in at this point teddy i um i want to apologize because i feel like you were making a closing argument and i wasn't trying to interrupt you for that but i i i appreciate your passion um probably more more than most of the listeners i uh i would have i would have made a similar argument myself uh once upon a time so i uh i do want to Give you, say, another couple of minutes, although I think you've made your argument of uninterrupted time, and uh, we'll move to um, uh, Andrew for a closing argument and uh, then Darren. Uh, so go ahead, Teddy, take two more minutes uh, to finish how you want. I
5: don't think there's anything more to say than no.
0: that. Okay, Andrew.
5: Okay.
1: Um, Just three or four points here. Women gained the right to vote,
5: not through bearing arms. Maybe there's another point in there.
1: I don't know. But whatever this this loose coupling of the Second Amendment and women's right to vote was, I I don't get it. Um, Sorry if I missed it, Teddy. Uh, maybe it was clearer than that, but women didn't gain the right to vote in this country through carrying firearms. Do I think that women have the right to protect themselves from rapists? Absolutely, I do. I think that it is. Uh, I think that it is somewhat reprehensible that we live in a society where rapists carry guns and we have to carry guns to protect ourselves when we do. But for those interested in this, in this gun debate, uh, by the way, uh, there will be a gun debate over on proscenium on May 4th. So head over there and listen in. But in terms of violent crime in the United States, uh, crime that involves those murder machines called guns, Citizens who also
5: have guns stop three
1: percent. Three percent of gun crime is stopped by citizens with guns.
5: The answer
1: to keeping women safe is not more guns. In the United States, we have 125% weapons to population. There are more guns in the United States than there are people.
5: And 2020 was the year where
1: we bought the most guns in history. if that was going to solve our problem, folks, we didn't come close. And I encourage you to check the gun violence archive. Just Google gun violence archive. We have mass shootings in this country multiple times a day. Okay. But what does that do? What does that do in regard to bodily autonomy. I actually think like Darren, that bodily autonomy is inviolate. So a woman doesn't give
5: up her bodily autonomy when she becomes pregnant. Clinton talked about full moral status and when a fetus achieves it. But here's what I will tell you
1: it is a special trick of the mind to find that conception means that all of the sudden the woman loses hers. My rights end where yours begin, and vice versa, and there is no special circumstance. Zero, none in which I can take your bodily autonomy, in which I can use your body without your permission, and the same is true in reverse. And as awful as it is, yes, that applies to conception. And because I've tried to give some resources throughout this show, I'll give one more. And this is my final point.
5: Before we legalized abortion in the United States,
1: there were Lysol abortions. Google Lysol abortions. We have, at this time in history, right now, at this moment, we have the choice whether to stay the course and leave a woman with her inviolate right to her own autonomy or to return women to the days of Lysol abortions. I am in favor of life. I am not, I am not abortion happy. But we should never never return to the days of Lysol abortions. And the only way to avoid it, the only way to avoid it is twofold. The woman's right to her own bodily autonomy and not forcing abortions
5: back underground. Darren.
4: Uh, first, I'd like to say that uh, Teddy did a great job. Um, she's, what, there's, what, three guys and just her? Um, and she's obviously very passionate about this, and I actually appreciate that, even though it, it sounds like I'm just being an asshole to her. Um, and the reality is that abortion really is not a very emotional thing. Uh, the anti-abortion folk think that um, fetuses are babies, and the pro-choice, whether they think the fetus is a baby or not, they feel that no one, not even a fetus, has the right to control the woman's body against her will. And that really is the the crux between, um, the difference between where the two sides land. And Although I appreciate the the emotional arguments, it just doesn't land for me. And it doesn't land for me because I understand how the biology works. When um, abortions, 99% of abortions are under 20 weeks, 22 weeks, something like that. So to... Um, So, I mean, that's when we're talking about abortion, that's really what we're talking about is that under 22 weeks because 99% of abortions, that's where it happens. A fetus does not have the capacity to to love, to have emotions, to have experiences. Um, We don't know exactly when it starts having that capacity, but we know that the bottom limit for that is 36 weeks. That means 99% of abortions are happening before the fetus even is even capable of having feelings and emotions, a life perceptions, uh, any sort of qualia. Um, But we also know that it doesn't start at uh, 36 weeks. That's just the very minimum where they could start having consciousness and uh, real life experiences. And when people start talking about babies, they're thinking of that cute little thing that they hold that is has these experiences and emotions and ability to experience life. And that's where the real disconnect comes in because people assume that when they are talking about babies under that 36 weeks, when the uh, fetus is actually able to have those experiences, that they're talking about an actual baby that ha- that is capable of having those experiences. And that's where our emotions get so riled up and I understand it. I really do. If I thought that um, uh, that fetuses had the same emotions, I mean, the the personal autonomy argument is really strong for me. But I would question it a lot more if if those fetuses had those were capable of those emotions, but they're not. And we know that we know for a fact it's not even something that's disputed in the uh, in the medical field. Um, it just isn't 36 weeks is the absolute very minimum that any sort anything like that could happen. And we're talking about abortions, which 99% of them are under 20 weeks. So what we're asked to compare are a, a fetus that has no internal life that has no emotions to a full grown person that does have that internal life that has those emotions that has that, that qualia. And we're being asked by the anti-abortionist people to put the needs of something that has no qualia, that has no life, no inner subjectivity over the actual person that does have that. Now I know for a lot of the anti-abortion that won't matter um, because they want to have, because in their mind, the baby is a baby, is a baby. And I get that, I really do. But if you are going to have a significant conversation with the with the, anti-abortion, with the pro-abortionists, you're going to have to take the biology into consideration. And you're going to have to change your arguments because the ones that the uh, anti-abortionists have been using don't work. They don't even work with Christians. Uh, so that's my advice to anyone who's listening to this that actually wants to have a conversation about this with the other side. Is you really, if you want to, if you really want to convince the, uh, the abortion, pro abortion, that abortion is wrong, that disparity between the cognic- cognitive capacity of the fetus and the, the mother is going to have to be overcome somehow because you will never, ever convince people off of just an emotional argument. So that's my advice for what it's worth. Okay.
3: And David, given yes. the importance of the topic, I mean, this isn't just uh, just any topic. In the law, the, the prosecution, the people that uh, have the burden of proof, not that I have the burden of proof, but uh, you know they they get the the first and the last statement and well I didn't I didn't have the first statement the opening but uh, I, I'd, there there were some important things that kind of brought, got brought up in terms of the Lysol abortions I'd like to just respond and if y'all want to respond back I mean it, it's some important stuff and, and these these are not trivial matters I'd I'd like to respond to that
0: Yeah I would I would love to but I I think that this is I'm okay with this
4: since I was interrupting her during her closing. I didn't realize it was her closing.
3: It it won't take long.
0: Okay. Uh, But your statement here, very brief, uh, will go unresponded to. Okay. So that's that's the deal.
3: Okay. Um, Just in terms, like with Lysol abortions or just back alley abortions. um, I don't like the idea anybody who feels so desperate i I mean because again i I was a a female that certainly did not want to get pregnant uh at a time that i didn't want to get pregnant um so I, i understand that but i also made sure that i didn't um and at certain points in my life, I absolutely made sure I mean, that I wasn't going to be getting pregnant. Uh, took no risk, and so, um, but I, you know, I can appreciate the desperation, um, and and that is sad. But you cannot say that we have to to allow the killing of an innocent person, an innocent human being um, in order to not allow a person to experience risk when they're trying to take somebody else's life. That's like saying that during slave times, oh, we wouldn't want it to ever be risky for slave owners to own slaves. It's gotta be safe to own slaves. You know, so we, we wouldn't want slaves to by any chance have any weapons, God, God forbid, because, you know, if those slaves had weapons, well, you know, I guess those slave owners would probably, you know, get what's coming to them. Um, in terms of, Aaron keeps talking about biology, let's get back to biology, well, again, you know, biology fertilization is when life is created and that is one area where we all have that common ground. That is what, you know, and again, I'm trying to talk with, with the atheist. I'm trying to bring a common ground to people because I'm not just going to be talking to people who, who believe in God. Um, So uh, an, an uh, an objective starting point is fertilization when life begins. And that is something that we all share, something where there's that inclusion, where we're not excluding people by how smart they are. It's not eugenics. It's not, oh, this person can think more. This person is bigger. This person has greater capabilities. It, it's inclusion and and so and then we talk about in terms of just the special relationship between a mother and the and, and child it's not just you know do we have a duty to help everybody I mean it's good for us to try to help as many people as we can but but, a mother and in, in her child, that's not just anybody, that is child and there is a special duty, whether a person does feels it or not. I mean, even the law says, I mean, if, if, the, if, the, if the child were a newborn, does a newborn have a greater thought process? Then, you know, two minutes from the time they're out of the womb, is their thinking really that different? Yet you can't just abandon them. You can't just kill them can't chop off their head at that point. So what's the big difference? Is their value changed so much at that point? It hasn't, it's a human. And so, um, you know, we need to think about that. And and when we talk about inclusion, we need to put our money where our mouth is and not just say all these cute little talking points and, and pat ourselves on the back Let's
5: put
0: our money where our mouth is. OK. So um, all right. I wasn't actually going to make a statement, but I guess I will make a small one uh, just f- to say that um, you know some members of the audience uh, will be very uncomfortable with um, this kind of conversation. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with this kind of conversation. This is the one and only time uh, we'll devote time to this subject. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I let it go as long uh, and uh, try to stay out of it as much as possible, keep things moving. Um, this is an emotional argument and we can talk about science and we can talk about um, you know the, the statistics, we can talk about uh, the various facts but none of that is going to ever make this not a highly charged emotional argument and i think that um society spends maybe a little bit too much time not having this discussion and not living with some uncomfortable uncomfortableness uh and i think that sometimes this is the only way to have the discussion uh is to uh to discuss it with our full humanity uh and not just with our neurons so uh i i can appreciate that and um so for those uh, listening for the first time this is not our typical show but it's definitely an acceptable show <laughs> so um next week we'll talk uh, more about killing i bet that there's some uh, emotion there too this is this is an emotional series we're going to talk about um suicide uh we're gonna talk about euthanasia we're gonna talk about war uh and self-defense um and i suspect it's not going to break down in an atheist christian kind of way uh these are these are very complicated topics and sometimes you just have to allow uh yourself to speak about these things and think about these things with your entire humanity, without suppressing any one part of it, and so I will say uh, about the abortion uh, discussion. I appreciate all of the um, participants. Um, I didn't realize that we were going to lose one of the Christian hosts. Originally, the um, the um, moderators would not have been a part of the discussion per se, but things don't always uh, work out as planned, and we didn't uh, we didn't have one of our um one of our uh, hosts there and he graciously stepped in at the last minute uh when Russell couldn't be here and I know that he would have wanted to be here for this too so I just want to thank everybody uh for that and I I will add my two cents here at the end as I did at the beginning which is to say uh I hate abortion uh I hated abortion when I was a Christian probably for different reasons than a lot of people think, but I, um, I hate abortion today. And even though I don't think that Teddy is always the most, um, her, her arguments are not always the most cerebral. Um, and I don't always connect with her. I actually connect more with Teddy (laughs) today. Uh, so sorry, sorry. Other participants, emotionally speaking, Uh, Teddy speaks my language, uh, that this is when I, when I'm not wearing the hat of a provocateur, I feel this way, uh, a lot on, on the subject of abortion. And it makes me nauseated to have to defend it. But that's where the cerebral part comes in. That's where the other part of my humanity. Comes in. I I,
3: and say something, David. And this is important for the people who say I don't support abortion, but I support somebody's right to have an abortion. That is the equivalent of I would never own a slave. Teddy,
0: I've never muted anyone on the show, so I'm going to ask you to self-regulate
3: um so
0: i i so i i appreciate that position uh in fact uh i have held uh that position so i understand it we should still hold i i'm gonna ask you one more time to self-regulate um so i want to I want to end this with a piece of music uh, that I wrote as a Christian uh, that expressed my thoughts on the subject. And it was one of the last pieces of music I ever wrote and performed and produced. Uh, At the time, uh, I believed that I did not have very long to live. That was almost true. And it was one of the last things um, I was going to do with myself. And so, uh, having spent some time in my life as a musician, uh, I wanted to say something worthwhile. And I'm going to share that now because, frankly, it still expresses the emotion of how I feel, even if it doesn't express the theology of how I feel. So. Uh, I'm going to share that with you, and then we'll close out with uh, that. So I'm going to hit a couple of buttons,
5: and uh, I hope this works. It worked in practice. So here we go.
6: Please tell me what choices you faced When breathing your life into me From the vessel in which I was thoughtfully placed To the person you designed me to be Did you think about all of the pain I'd endured Were my trials ordained from the start? Was there ever a moment when you were unsure? Was there ever a doubt in your heart? Will I choose this moment to lift up my voice? And thank you for making this choice is a beautiful thing to me in spite of its hardship and strife there is nothing and no one i'd rather be so thank you for choosing my life life is a beautiful There's nothing and no one I'd rather be so thank you for choosing my life Ooh, mother you carried my once helpless form for the better part of a Did I bring you blue skies, or did I bring you a storm? Did I bring you a smile or a tear? Was I ever truly a part of your plan, or just an unpleasant surprise? Well regardless, you made the hard choice that now stands before you with tears in his eyes. Will I choose this moment to lift up my voice and thank you for making this choice? Life is a beautiful thing to me in spite of its hardship and strife nothing and no one I'd rather be. So thank you, thank you for choosing my life. Life is a beautiful thing to me. In spite of its hardship and strife, there is nothing. choosing my life choosing my life is a beautiful thing to me in spite of its hardship and strife there is nothing and no one I'd rather be so thank you for choosing my life